Hey Link Frequencies are open. Hello everybody and welcome back to Clear Skies where we follow the adventures of the USS Ross and the stream punks that fly her. How's everybody doing tonight? Everyone doing great? Everyone doing good? I think <laughs> Rave speaks for all of us. That is the uh, sound I made during our pre-show and realized I was not on mute. But the sentiment was group wide. Also, I finally have a background, sort of. Got to figure out the lighting thing, but excited <laughs> to through officially. But here we are, season two, episode two, and I am finally. And, and Rave the Force Ghost, and it's amazing. I, <laughs> I just want to make everyone aware that my background is a pumpkin of Captain Janeway. We it's hard that. to make out, but that's what it is. If you can't see it in the corner. Go ahead, Sam. What, what were you going to say? Something about making out? What was that, Sam? What, what did your brain just I have no comment at this time. <laughs> so before we begin tonight's game, let's go ahead and get into any announcements that we might have coming up. Yes, Sander. I've got one for tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be playtesting for Mirror Morph Games Atma. It's a, it's a debut sort of board game, role-playing game hybrid. And so we're just doing one quick episode on the DAT network. That's the DAT network. And it'll be tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Pacific. Did you ever freak out whenever the Atma weapon finally showed up in Final Fantasy? No matter which Final Fantasy you're playing, it's like the Tarasca Final Fantasy. When it shows up, Atma's a big problem. <laughs> Anybody else have any announcements they'd like to share this evening? Anything? Yes, Aki. So this was announced last Wednesday, but starting next Wednesday, starting at 7 p.m. over on Saving Throws Show, uh, my very first show that I am producing, a partnership with them, uh, All Games No Masters, where we will be doing an eight-episode run of games featuring uh, uh, role-playing games that are uh, game masterless, just players. So uh, if you're one of those people who's been sitting around during uh, the pandemic going, I don't have a GM to run games for me, we're going to show you that you don't need one. I so. am offended. I am offended. <laughs> This is, this is up making up. you obsolete. That's what I know. Having a GM is a privilege for a lot of people. See, and well, we always thought it was going to be like the Sith, I overthrow you kind of thing. Now we know the true route. Yeah. We bring uh, the whole house. Anybody else? But yeah, starting next week. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, me? Yeah. Hi. Okay. Uh, what's the date? Okay, on the 21st, I'm, I have a podcast that I'm co-hosting. I wish I knew more details, but look <laughs> at my socials. I'll share it. I'm, and also, I'm being Friday, of a mic. that's all I know. <laughs> I think it's about something. I'll let you know. And then on Friday, I'm guesting on something, but I don't know if I can announce that yet, so maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Goodbye. Awesome. So the update from Bonnie is stuff is going to be happening at some point. <laughs> and you should show up whenever that happens. <laughs> I, I think I, too, will announce that at some point in the next six months, I will also be appearing on a show. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly when it's going to happen or how or, or where, but it, it will involve me and it will be a show. So stay Look, tuned Eric, for the details in the next six months. These are my weekly announcements, okay? I'm trying to plan ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anybody else? Anybody else got anything that they need to announce before we jump into tonight's rather large, creepy story? <laughs> I said creepy, and, and Ray was like, yay, horror. <laughs> All right. Unless there's, oh, yes, yes, you, Sam, the cute little sea urchin in the front row. 
Well, before there are large creepy things, let the small creepy thing say they're excited. Okay. Now we can jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Getting into tonight's episode of Clear Skies, we find ourselves in a rather precarious position with the crew of the USS Ross. When we last left off, what was supposed to be a routine mission just to check up on a colony that hadn't been transmitting for past its past the window of period in which it is supposed to transmit, what might have just been a routine check-in from the USS Ross. Also, possible emergency response, you never know. The Ross was assigned to go basically knock on the door and find out what's been going on. The colony in question. This is in the Cafadar system. On Cafadar 3, a Class L planet with vegetation and no animal life is currently uh, a research outpost headed by one Dr. Ryan Cabot, who is a 67-year-old famous botanist of the United Federation of Planets, kind of known as being the... As I described him before, the crocodile hunter of botany. He is the one that goes into all of the most dangerous places to acquire samples or to interact with plant life. Of course, some plant life likes to interact back. And he's the one that kind of gets in there, gets his hands dirty, learns a little bit about behavior. If there is such a thing that could be attributed to plant life, which, by the way, it, there is. Um, and has been known for developing a reputation of being somewhat reckless has done things like doesn't have a fully secured evac uh evo suit still goes in anyway judges the risk minimizes it says whatever it is i'm sure the hypo sprays will take care of it but we're not missing this chance and does the thing anyway he has gotten a lot of irritation from uh from the scientific community but he's also been a pioneer and has shattered expectation of what botany can unveil about the universe and the plant life that grows within it. I now understand why this is LeCat's hero. Mm. Metal AF! Yeah. <laughs> but yes. what about the rescue crews who have to go in if you go in without the protective equipment? You're
You're putting oh. other people in danger, not only yourself. Just yes, go science, is, science is a higher calling than any of us. No, live. You can't have this conversation with Cafodar because you're currently not at Cafodar. Oh, really? Why is that, Eric? Uh, interestingly enough, this interesting character who is 67-year-old proof that you can behave like Lacat and make it to old age is on the other side of the mission parameter right now because on the way, a little mishap took place. Poking the ancient artifact, literally to try to see if it'll move. Poke it with a stick. Um, that? Pray tell. Trying to um, be essentially behaving like this botanist, but not towards plants, but taking the Dr. Cabot approach towards ancient alien artifacts. Both Jane LeCat and one Chief Tech fiddled around a little bit with this strange device that you acquired on a ranger station from a Ferengi who clearly had no idea what he had in his possession. Without getting too many results, in transit to the mission, you decided to see if maybe, since this thing seemed to respond to emotion or perhaps possibly even some kind of psychic connection of some kind, you decided to see if perhaps somebody with the psychic abilities or empathic abilities, if they could perhaps tap into a deeper connection with this device. The answer was yes. Yes, I they could. It's a very logical leap. Hey, <laughs> technically a successful experiment. <laughs> if the objective was to find out whether or not someone with psychic abilities could cause a reaction with the device, you succeeded. <laughs> What's incredible is not only the explainable, the USS Ross's crew, the entirety of the crew, save two, but we'll get to that in a second. The entire crew has been rendered completely unconscious, the entire population of the crew. Not only that, but emergency procedures fall into place along with the explosion of some kind of energy field literally caused the warp bubble around the USS Ross to collapse, pulling her out of warp at a dangerous velocity. Thankfully, inertial dampeners and everything kicked into place. But it was such a violent stop, however, and the energy, its interference in what took place so prevalent that there was actually some effect. The captain was thrown out of their bed. Some people were thrown out of their duty stations. The Ross basically had a fender bender in space at warp seven. Um, the Ross is currently at station keeping. She is running on auxiliary power. Her crew is unconscious, save two people. One Dr. McCrell and one Commander Exio, who were just now trying to put the pieces together to figure out what that'll happen, how extensive the damages are. They've only just now begun to realize that all crew members are accounted for, that there are no fatalities, thank the gods, and nobody but them are awake. They are aware that the epicenter of that energy blast came from Holodeck 1, and when they got there, what they found <laughs> was an unconscious duo of Chief Tech and one Jane LeCat. And they found Olin Majanil, the ambassador of the USS Ross and the voice of the Federation here in the Shackleton Expanse, basically turned into a humanoid flashlight. They were blistering with 
with light and power, much like a Dragon Ball Z cartoon. Light shafts coming out of their eyes, their mouth. Um, Exio managed to knock the device out of Olin's hands to get it onto the ground at some risk. Because as we, as a quick recall, the light, the energy that is pulsing around Olin Machineel right now seems to be shredding hard light. So hologram and holographic matrixes cannot survive contact with this energy field in its raw form, as shown by the fact that the top of the holodeck right now is completely exposed. The grid of the holodeck itself can be is clearly visible from above uh, Olin. And when Exio made the attempt to reach forward, Exio's hand literally lost all integrity and began to de-res right in front of everybody. However, of course, reconstituted once Exio withdrew and got her hand back. But it was enough that Exio, even upon approaching Olin, the colors began to fade out of the matrix scheme of your person, Exio. So a physical manifestation, the closer you get to Olin, the more dangerous it seems to be at least in terms of your physical manifestation. You're not sure what this would constitute if you were, in fact, erased. In all likelihood, you would probably reboot in your mainframe. Uh, or you would just, or essentially the moment you could reload somewhere else. But is that that's something you're going to have to experiment with. Um, meanwhile... Maybe another time. <laughs> yes, because if if... if the, the possibility of destruction wasn't an incentive enough. There's also the fact that you would have a very, uh, very well-muscled, well-ranked uh, Orion that would probably yell and scream and holler <laughs> if if something were to happen to you. I've now, disappeared enough times. I'm good. <laughs> of course, the big reveal right now, the only person that has a sense of what is actually happening right now is Olin who has manifested inside the matrix of this ancient device, or at least the echo of the matrix of this ancient device to encounter the living memory of a being that calls itself Aotun. Aotun has revealed himself to be a progenitor, which is one of the legendary ancient races that supposedly is responsible for seeding all of the major life, all of the major sapient life here in the galaxy. Their race was responsible for the creation of all humanoid life in the Milky Way. They are also only up until recently believed to have been, uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they are the same species as the preservers, which was first uncovered back by the, uh, the crew of the Enterprise. The preservers, of course, it was believed were the ones that basically plucked life from different planets and moved them to other places where they could be saved and rescued, basically preserving life where they could find it. Um, nothing concrete, unless you play Star Trek Online, in which case you know that they're, they're actually the same people. But in this case, <laughs> in this case, the crew of the USS Ross is among the time period where it's a theory that everyone's playing right now. Aotun has revealed to you, Olin, where we're going to pick up today's episode. Aotun has revealed to Olin that the unexpected has happened. He doesn't have an explanation as to why it reacted this way. But the explosion of energy is essentially pulled the entire crew of the USS Ross into the matrix of this device with it. And that you were all essentially inside 
a living database that has accumulated memories for the past thousands and thousands of years of its travels across the Milky Way. You are currently standing on the precipice of what looks like a cliffside. It, it doesn't look like any planet that you've ever seen before, Olin. This doesn't ring any bells. It doesn't seem familiar. It does have a, a, a Vulcan-esque quality to it in that it is very barren. It looks like very desert-like, very rocky. But the horizon, even though it is fully lit as though a sun was shining from the sky, the horizon itself is actually the night sky filled with broken worlds that are hovering in the skies like floating rocks amongst a marbled blue, yellow, green, purple nebula that seems to span the entire sky above your head. And Aotin standing next to you, who's just told you that, the, that with your help, he is going to try to get everything under control but right now you can't help but shake the feeling that you're looking at an ancient landscape that hasn't been seen by mortal eyes since its destruction which could be gods know when and that's where we pick up today's game standing on this precipice Aotin is quietly standing next to you these very simple, very elegant, long white robes, somewhat reminiscent to yours, but a little less state, stately, more priestly. What is this place? This is the shattered remains of a world that I called home. The world does not exist anymore in your time was destroyed by a supernova some 40,000 years ago. The natural order of things. The universe is in a constant state of construction and deconstruction, as it should be. All right, all right. You say I don't belong here, and I'm inclined to agree with you, since I certainly didn't intend on ending up here. I. I touched the artifact in an effort to trigger a response similar to what I'd been told was the normal one, but that is not what happened. Um, there was this uh, bright light and this blinding pain and then thousands upon thousands of voices that I could not filter out. I felt like I was going to die and you then were. and then i pulled you free you were not meant to hear the voices of memory all at once no one is they're presented here so that we can let them live and we visit them <laughs> but one at a time i am well, there are others on my ship, I, I guess, that are like me in that they have empathic and telepathic abilities, but I was called upon because I'm known to the person who's been studying this artifact. Jane. At least that's what she calls herself. Yes, um, it is. 
I, I have questions, but I, I don't know how to, I don't know where to begin or, or how to help. I know. He reaches his hands out to you. They seem so familiar somehow. Long, slender fingers. <laughs> Think of Doug Jones' hands. These long, slender fingers, these large, warm-looking hands. There's this sense of familiarity, like a distant family member almost, that is just encoded in you the moment he extends his hands and offers them to you. Do I sense emotion from him? Yes, you do. Um, you sense a deep concern and an, an almost um, compassion's too vague. He wants to help. There's this sense of like urgency. Olin reaches out their hand to take his. When you touch his hands, you are aware of a few things, Olin. First of all, if there is any truth to the theories of the progenitors, you are essentially touching your ancient ancestors, the hands of the creators. And what strikes you so profound about this is how completely unprofound it is. It's just a pair of hands. It's so absolutely natural and familiar. And that is where the wellspring of emotion begins to build as you touch his hands. The similarity stretching back eons and the connection that you as a Delton probably have with every humanoid species in the galaxy. For a second, it becomes clear to you until his voice breaks the train of thought and you hear him say, I don't know either, Olin, but I think that we can figure this out especially if the crew of the USS Ross is here with us. And they are, or at least their imprint is. How they will be remembered is here. I don't know how I can help, but whatever I can do to keep them safe, I will do. The first thing you should do is try to remember the Ross. Remember your place on that ship. Or remember someone specific. And that will take us there. Olin kind of sort of tosses a few vague notions around um, and finally settles uh, for the moment on patients who would usually be with them during times like this and is not. You focus on the image of patients, particularly the, the arc of fur that comes off the top of the ears when patients cocks the, the little doggy head to the side when they're looking at you a little bit. You find yourself standing in your quarters instantly and Patience, who is laying on the bed, leaps down immediately, unquestioningly, when you just appear, and runs up to you. And, like a good dog, doesn't start barking, but immediately starts wagging the tail and 
dropping into downward dog and looking up at you <laughs> expectantly and excitedly. <laughs> Hello, girl. <sighs> she is here as well. This is not an illusion. Every sapient, sentient creature on the USS Ross, at least it was biological, is here with you now, except one. Oh, um. How interesting. That could be good. How so? You are projected here, Olin. I don't fully understand it just yet. Those that come here are echoes of memories of beings that have long since passed. It's imprinted upon our disc, and the imprint carries the stories of those people. The disc has aged somewhat in these past thousands of years, and has, as a result of the passage of time, it does not function the way it normally does. You see, when we first designed it, it was originally required that those who came into contact gave their permission to become incorporated, imprinted on the matrix of the disk itself. But over time, the protocols that were designed began to decay, along with much of the integrity of the program itself. And as a result, the disk simply imprints upon everything it comes into contact with and creates an echo of that existence here. It might have something to do with how it was possible for this all to happen. All right, then. Then my connection with the various members of the crew is what uh, I am. I am not the scientist on this crew. I am sorely out of my depth and not entirely sure I understand what it is I'm meant to do next. You will have to choose. Choose what? What you will do next. Inaction is death. Uh, and this is true in all things. Not just here. If you choose to do nothing, you are still making a choice. I'm sorry. I, I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? I wish I knew, but I am here to help you in any way I can. I'm just the oldest living echo in this matrix. There's much that I don't remember myself. If, if patience is here, then... Everyone's here. 
I supposed to go and find them? I don't know. I'm sorry. <sighs> Guess I should see if I can find someone else. Go back to where all of this started, perhaps? I will follow you. Come on, Patience. Let's, uh, have a trip to the holodeck, shall we? And, uh, Olin heads out towards, uh, holodeck one. Everything about this Olin is the Ross. Nothing about this feels like if if Eoton wasn't here telling you that this was all a dream of some kind, there would be no reason to believe that this was some kind of fantasy or memory echo. The door opens, and when you step out into the corridor, you see Ox crew members helping themselves off the floor and asking, "Are you all right?" And what happened? I don't know. I was I was walking, and then I. I woke up on the floor. Me too. You hear them like having conversations, like maybe we should go to sick bay. People like tapping on their on their crew, checking in with each other, checking in with family, checking in with sick bay. Like you can hear the conversations and confusion. A few people nod to you. One ox crew member, are you all are you all right, Ambassador? It seems like there's been a shipwide event of some kind. We're still trying to raise the bridge. Um what what happened? We're we're not sure. There was a a flash of light and we all seem to have, well, blacked out or something. And you you can't raise the bridge. Well, no one's tried just yet, but there hasn't, the, the ship currently stands at yellow alert. So it does. Um, well, at the very least, you should report to your your chief of staff. Yes, Ambassador. We should um, organize, make sure everyone's okay. Um, I would stay away from the holodecks for now as well. Aye, Ambassador. Thank you. Um, and another thing. Am I alone? Uh, who are you asking? Uh, the crew member that I was just talking to. Uh, the crew member, by the way, is Ash Lemon. Is their full or Lemon? Um, they are an ensign, and they are looking quite alert and a little, a little thrown by this. Uh, it's not unusual to see. Uh, <laughs> Engineers like to be like to know what's going on, and it's clue it's clear here that uh, Ensign Layman is a little not okay with things uh, any more than some of the other Ox crew members are kind of trying to figure this out. Uh, when you ask them if you're alone, they look at you for a moment and go, "I I didn't see anybody come out of your quarters with you, aside from patients." Right. Um, thank you. Uh, I'm 
feeling a little fuzzy myself. I, I think I should also report to the sickbay at some point, but uh, carry on. Um, and excuse me. All right. So they can't see you. Aotin is not there. You do not see Aotin standing nearby. Oh. That's not going to be a problem at all. If we survive this patience, I need several drinks Mm. and like a very long vacation. So you head to holodeck one. Mm-hmm. You get on the turbo lift. You tell the computer to take you to deck 11. The turbo lift responds the way it always has. Beep. Shh. The doors open up in the same scene where you see ox crew helping each other out. Um, a few of the higher member lieutenant commanders are walking around and like checking with people, making sure everyone is okay. You see one ox crew leading another ox crew member down to one of the medical bays, not main sick bay, but one of the deck sick bays. Um, as you're walking past everyone, this seems pretty normal. Um, everyone here seems pretty normal. Everyone is behaving like they're in an emergency. The corridor right now is flashing with the gold bars of yellow alert along the corridor wrapping all the way down this neck of the USS Ross and you approach the you approach holodeck one uh, you see yeah. all of, you see on the computer screen that a program is currently running hmm. Uh, Owen presses the series of buttons that'll let them in. It's a fantastic sight that greets you when the door opens. Because you see Lacat and Tech helping themselves up off the floor. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you will also see... Uh, remind me, but I believe the captain headed down there as well. Is that correct? That was oh. after the fact. After this whole, all this happened, right? Mm-hmm. So Captain Soul would be there as well. Getting information. You're 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 <laughs> Captain Soul is here. Looks like they are getting the lowdown on what took place. But what's remarkable is is there is a shaft of light that you can see a humanoid figure inside. And you are pretty sure that's you inside that shaft of light. <laughs> as you step into the holodeck. The three of you are in the middle of debriefing the captain on everything that just happened when the door opens up and Olin with patience steps into the room. Oh, uh, uh, Ambassador, what? are you okay? No, no, I am not, but I am so glad to see you. What? Uh, yeah, Jane takes one look at Olin coming through the door and looks at, like, what can we observe of the actual figure within the light beam now? It's difficult to discern any details. It is so bright looking into It's like gazing into the sun. Okay. The only side effect is, is you don't actually suffer any sort of 
you're not getting flooded with photons. Your eyes are not going to be damaged from staring into the light, which yeah. is a side effect, indicating that it's both there, not there. Is there some sort of like a like a polarizing filter that we can like obtain that you have we have access to that we can like get a clearer image of like what we're looking at? Theoretically, theoretically, yeah. first of all, brilliant idea. Yeah. And <laughs> second of all, theoretically, there's no reason why the holodeck couldn't do that for you. Oh, okay, great. Um, right, we live in the future. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I think that um, Jane is completely out of it. Um, while getting up, she made sure that tech was good. She's not making eye contact with the captain right now, and she's going to talk to this computer. And uh, uh, computer, uh, can we get a polarizing filter around this beam of light? You hear a chirping sound indicating that it is creating a polarized uh, a filter, mm -hmm. and there is a, and as this filter begins to appear around the the image of what you were seeing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I should have I should have known this is going to happen, but I, I recently got an Amazon Echo and I changed its name to Computer, so every single time. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I'm getting all these notifications right now in the room. <laughs> so as you initiate this, uh, as the polarizing filter begins to appear, you see the, as, as I described before, you see that the light is both there and not there. So the computer is picking up that this is in front of it, but you're still not getting a really defined image of who's on the inside. But it does reveal that there is no actual light emanating from this column of light. It's not reacting like a flashlight would. So you know how when you shine light and there's ambience, because there's light spill everywhere as you shine it, there's pollution, light pollution. This seems completely localized. There is no scattering of light whatsoever. Um. Yeah, I think that... Jane looks at this, looks at Olin, and it's still like, oh my god, I'm really happy to, you, you Olin, you feel a wave of relief <laughs> you are there, but also just confusion and suspicion at the fact that you should be in this beam of light and what is going on. So she walks up to you, and you just see her, like, scanning with her eyes, like, what is going on? Um... And I wish I could tell you, I don't know either. What happened? Just, when the light took over, I almost died. And then I was pulled from the light by a being, a, a progenitor, Aoton, the one you were talking about. And he yes. said that if I don't do something, everyone could die. I am not sure I'm actually here or that you all are either. I don't know what's going on right now. I know not everybody is accounted for. What? He implied that there was at least one person missing. Computer, is anybody missing from the crew of the USS Ross? Stand by. Dr. McCrell is not on board the USS Ross. Commander what? Exio is not aboard the USS Ross. What? 
activate XEO program. And as soon as that hap as soon as the computer says that, Olin braces themselves because they know what's about to happen. Oh. It's all right. I rolled a four, a seven, and eleven. We're fine. On but the captain sees Olin visibly flinch, like mm. really hard. Mm. Um. Yeah, that that's what you get back from the computer. Um. Well, how how does uh, the computer respond to um, uh, Chief Tech's command for bring like activating XEO? Nothing happens. It doesn't even acknowledge that there was a command request. Computer. No chirp of acknowledge or anything. Medical tricorder. It appears to you in the holodeck. I'm going to scan Olin. Um, all the readings indicate Olin is in a very healthy, non-anxiety state. In fact, what you get is that the tricorder is essentially reading a very vanilla reading. <laughs> yeah, Olin is clearly at a heightened state right now. They're slightly agitated, they're anxious, they're looking around, they're very worried. The tricorder is telling you that all of their levels are totally normal. In fact, go ahead and make uh, an engineering check here. Oh, okay. Um, the difficulty of this is just gonna be one. Okay. This is a good opportunity to get some momentum. Mm -hmm. um, and this is gonna be a, uh, this would be a reason engineering check. Reason engineering, okay. Great. Ooh, okay, hold on. Uh, no, none of my focuses would apply. So two successes. Okay. Ooh. Tech, this tricorder, the, the, first of all, gain the momentum, everyone. But what you're, getting, what you're getting from this is, at first, as you're scanning them, it, it's like, this reminds you of what it was like your first year uh, training in Starfleet tech, when you were learning how to use Starfleet technology, this looks like a tricorder that's on its default setting to train people on how to turn it on and use it. Mm. In other words, the data that you're getting back, this is generic. It, the tricorder believes it just scanned Olin, but the readings you're getting back is just like, this is a person. They have right. eyes. <laughs> like, so just, and Olin would feel this too. This sends a lot of anxiety uh, out of tech and he's going to turn the tri tricorder on himself. You are a Olean. <laughs> it gives you like your basic rundown, tells you you're just fine. I throw the tricorder on the ground and I stomp on it. Um, it shatters I, and you just I, crunch I, it. <laughs> I need everyone really to take it down just a notch, please. Okay. I Look at you. You hear in your ear, the cat. No, no. Look at you, wearing the uniform of a Starfleet officer. All of you hear this. And as everyone kind of sighed to looks at Jane, there is a Cardassian in full military uniform standing next to her. Hair slicked back, standing at attention. Uh, you know what I just realized? What? Um, uh, 
James treating this like a ghost. Like, um, I don't believe in ghosts, so we're not looking at the ghost for a second. Except that space is haunted. You know this, cat. <laughs> I need you to make a... I need you to make a reason command check here. Difficulty will be four. <gasps> and anything you have in intelligence... Okay. This is this is for Captain Saul. Oh, Oh, that's cool. I was like, how? <laughs> no, this is for Captain Saul. This is for Azri. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. uh, reason command. Okay. And the difficulty will be for anything you have to do with intelligence or. Uh, I have my uh, clandestine focus. Yeah, that would, this would totally count. Work, yep. All right. I'm going to room. use that momentum. Okay. It difficulty four, you said? Difficulty is four. Hmm. Yeah, I'll roll on it. Okay. Did you take the momentum? Yes, okay. I did. All right. Uh, so I re when when one re rolls one's natural twenty. <laughs> One does so much significantly better. One rolls a five instead. Good thing one has command. So that plus the 14 plus the 11 gets us to the money. Okay. We are in null momentum, but thank you all. Look at it's, it's your father. He's standing maybe a foot and a half away from you, leaning towards you in an almost intimidating manner that he used to do. And he's looking at you with such disappointment as he looks you up and down. And he, you hear the words come out of his mouth. The only time I ever expected you to see you wearing something like this is if you were a prisoner. And you're, you're seeing the reaction from Lakat Azari, but here's the thing. You served in Starfleet intelligence during the Dominion War. You know one of Gul Dukat's trusted political advisors when you see him. This is Elir Kress, one of Gul Dukat's inside men, and one of the political front, uh, one of the political enforcers on Cardassia Prime during the Dominion War. You don't know whatever happened to him, but this was a man that was inside Gul Dukat's inner circle and was rumored to have been one of the advocates that got Gul Dukat to sign on with the Dominion. Uh, and he is addressing Lacat right now, looking her up and down with intense scrutiny. Okay, so, yeah. And I think Lacat is, like, you see the, like, the shock, the, like, the, like, fear um just just the, the the flash of fear um and then um and then like just blank slate face but um olin you can definitely see that like all of the feel that all of that is still beneath the surface but she's gonna she's she's gonna do the trick where you don't look someone in the eye you look them in the middle of the forehead um so it looks like you're looking them in the eye but you're not looking them in the eye and um Aotin, why are you wearing that face? 
and she is convinced that she is talking to Aeton, and she refuses to acknowledge her father. Invoking his name, Aeton is standing in the room over by Olin suddenly. And for the first time, those of you who have not seen Aeotin, you hear him say, that is not me. Wow. Can't, you can't be here. Aeotin, what is happening? This is a place of memory, Lakat. This is yours. As you remember him. So he's not here. Everyone is imprinted here, and everything you bring with you is imprinted here. Then... Then I want him gone. I, wa I want him gone so I can make him gone if I can make him be here. Can I not? Yes. How do I do it? How do I do it? How do I make you gone? You remember How do you know that you are not my memory, daughter? Because two of us, I was the more worthy Cardassian. Your mother Ooh. was embarrassed, ashamed to see you wearing that on your chest. I rolled an eighteen, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just? Yes. Yeah. Can I punch him? The impact of your fist across the side of his face. Um, is both satisfying and makes a lot of sound. Great, great. And, and, and honestly, like, you hear her, like, vocalize it, and, like, she, like, fist makes contact, and, like, you see that it hurt. Um, because mm -hmm. I can't imagine that, like, Card like, Cardassian's not soft skin. Um, but she, she, like, takes the punch and, like, pushes back, but she's, like, not acknowledging any of his words, even though he's still, like, talking. Um, but, uh, she... You hear, when, when your fist slaps against that skin and impacts against the jaw, you feel it. All of you can hear it, and you see this Cardassian political advisor take the hit and stumble back, and as he does, he vanishes. Oh, God. And you hear um, the sound of him crashing to the floor, even though he's not there. And, and she, like, she, she, like, flexes her fist and is like, that's, that's how I know I'm the real one is <sighs> oh and she's just she needs to like go stand in a corner for a second and just, okay you take a deep breath and 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 she beelines for a corner she's not looking at anyone aoten yes you need to answer our questions this is unreasonable what is happening where did you come from It'll take a moment to explain, but I will tell you everything I've told Olin. And he begins to take you through it. We are currently in the same holodeck on the other side of the Upside Down, where currently Exio and McCrell are staring at the situation in shock. Uh, in this room, however, the only two people that are here are Lakat and Tech who are unconscious on the floor. And you, on the other hand, are getting flooded with light. Now, Exio, you're able to look directly into the light, not a problem. And you can make out the form of, it's undoubtedly Olin. Um, you, Dr. McCrell, particularly with your very sensitive cat-like eyes, 
you cannot look into that light very long because it is it is jarring it is painful there is even this vibratory just humming sound coming from this light but olin is still inside the light itself and that coin is on the ground i also have a killer headache I am. I have positioned myself against the wall and will instruct in any way you deem necessary, Doctor. Um. Obviously, <clears throat> first I'm going to check the bodies of Tech and Laquette. Um, okay. I, I want to just see what state they're at. Uh, I would say uh, make a reason medicine check, and mm -hmm. I'll set the difficulty of this at zero. Mm. Uh, I'm assuming my focus has come into play, so that'll oh, yes. be. Three successes. Gain three momentum. They are alive. Mm -hmm. They are unconscious. Hypothrays um, have proven to be inefficient. Yeah. Yes. Hypothrays is not waking them up, and they don't seem to be aware of any outside stimuli. You could slap them across the face. They're not waking up. Could I ask a question about your findings, since you're using probably a medical tricorder, I assume? Yes, and before you ask, Sam, I just want to go ahead and encourage everybody. Think about Star Trek Adventures is that momentum pool. Feel free as players to inspire, encourage, or ask questions of other mm -hmm. players to help figure out the problems. So go ahead, Sam. Uh, this is probably an obtained information if y'all are good for it, but do they have any distinctive brainwave patterns? I was going to also. Yeah. Uh, no, that's perfect. Uh, spin, spin. So we're on the same wavelength, is what you're telling me. Uh, I wasn't gonna go there, but you did, oh, and I'm happy you did. I have a timeshare there, Bonnie. I <laughs> so we um, spend momentum. Okay. Okay, we're down you to two. Point of momentum, and you run the tricorder scan, and you are studying. Now, tricorder doesn't have as much detail as you're going to get out of, like, say, the medical facility. However, it will absolutely give you brainwave patterns. You're not going to... To get that diagnostic information back, you'd have to go back to the sick bay. Mm -hmm. But the tricorder basically tells you, yes, they seem to be in some sort of dreamlike state. Their brain frequencies, by the way, like, uh, McCrell, they're on the exact... They seem to be in the exact same waveform. Okay. Which um, is highly unusual. Mm -hmm. No variations down to the one one trillionth of a, of a decimal point. There are no variations in their brainwave patterns. Um, is the ambassador any different? I don't think I'll be able to get close enough to do an accurate reading. You can do it from here. I'll do it from here, though. Tricorder <laughs> will let you do it from here. You don't have to be up close. <laughs> For this, however, that's going to be a roll. I'm going to see that's a reason yeah. medicine check, and I'll set the mm -hmm. difficulty of that at three. Mm, I'm going to take momentum. Okay. Um, can I Ooh. assist with my advisor? You can yes. re-roll at any. You can re-roll any of them. Absolutely. I will need to. I got four. Four successes. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, so gain one momentum back, and immediately the tricorder is having some trouble. You do a lot of adjustments on the computer pad itself mm -hmm. and begin to scan again. What you get, the reason why you weren't getting anything the first time is because it is so completely off the scale that you literally had to sort of zoom out. Um, the brainwave activity would suggest that Olin is in there somewhere, but you're seeing data flood in that would suggest that you're looking at a population 
is that population on the same wave pattern or not? Obtain information would be. Sure. Let's do it. Um, what you get, Doctor, is that if there was a yin and yang to this, mathematically speaking, if there was a positive negative, it would appear that the positive is coming from Olin and the negative is where everyone else is. What you're getting is Olin's wavelength pattern is on the exact opposite end of the spectrum of mm -hmm. wavelength as the brain uh, patterns that you're getting off of Lacat and Tech. However, you're getting them overlapping so many times the tricorder is actually having trouble keeping track of how many brainwave patterns you're detecting, but Ooh. far more than what's on the USS Ross. Mm -hmm. By a factor of 100 million to the 10th power. Great. Okay, uh, I'm going to... Okay. Okay. Doctor, I'm having trouble computing this and I am a little computer. <laughs> I believe... Exio, that this is a, not a physical attack on the crew, but more of a mental. I think I have a way. The reason that I am awake, we cannot administer to the full crew, but maybe to a few that can help us create some kind of neural stimulator that will block the psychic attack. Like I said, Doctor, I will be more than willing to help you replicate some of the very dangerous antidote. We'd have to go back to the med bay. This is... We'd have to calculate this perfectly. Okay. Uh, and just just so I get this straight, there is a sort of frequency that is currently keeping everyone in a neutralized state, all at the same time, and put in, and at the same state. Correct? It's hard to explain. I honestly can't because I don't fully understand it either. But it seems that they are all on one psychic link in some way, mentally, or on a different plane entirely. Okay. Um, going to point down at the coin. I hate Eric's face. It's because uh, I'm about to do something and I know the reaction I'm gonna get. No! <laughs> oh no. Uh, well, I just wanna, I, I don't know how I'd be able to do it, but I, I guess I wanna ask the computer. Mm -hmm. Um, if there is a, like, I mean, we, I, I have, you know, deduced my, myself that the coin thing and medallion thing that was in the ambassador's hand, um, is causing this, but has sort of transferred to Olin. So, and then, and then there is a shipwide frequency that rent out. I want to know if this computer can detect if the frequency is still active and it, if it's coming from the coin or if it's coming from Olin 
just if there is an active frequency or if it went out in a shockwave and then dissipated and they are mm -hmm. in a state or if it is an active frequency. You exactly. want to find out if this thing installed itself on Olin's heart. Correct. <laughs> or Correct. if it's Wi-Fi connected to Olin. <laughs> Correct. This is the stuff I understand. <laughs> yes. That's a great idea. Um, which you can probably figure out by taking uh, tri a tricorder reading, which would be, I would say this is a reason science check based okay. on the information that you've got from uh, McCrell. Okay. And crossing, and like you can basically, we're not going to use the hypothesis science. system, but we can say that this is what you're using to form your hypothesis of what's going on and how to fix the problem. Okay. So I would say make a reason science check. It's a hefty roll. I'm sure. As it is essentially the mystery of the episode, I'm going to set the difficulty at <laughs> five and drop it to four because you're using a tricorder and you will get an assist from the Ross. What because about an assist? Your Ross is actually real. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. It's so hot. So we have a Ross of heat oppressive mind. So what is the final roll? So you're going to get, it's going to be a difficulty four. It's going to be reason <laughs> science check and the Ross is going to roll to assist. Okay. What is and the Ross rolling? The uh, the Ross is going to roll. Uh, oop, hold on one sec. Can McCrell assist as well? Since I'm using uh, Exio is using some of my medical yes. knowledge. Yes, actually, yes. Let's go ahead and have. I was thinking about just lowering the difficulty. Another one as a, as a, as a quicker way of doing this. But honestly, yeah. Honestly, I think we'll just have you do the thing. So the Ross is going to roll computers and science. Okay. And I'm going to buy a die. Mm -hmm. We have one momentum. Am I rolling reason medicine? Uh, yes. Okay. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a computer, but you get one success for me. One success. Okay. <laughs> Those Gina eyes are hard to tell. It could be intense, oh my god, or oh shit. That's not good. How that's, much threat did you give him, good. Gina? How oh, much no. threat? Give him. Oh no. So I have two successes. Okay. And a 20. Excellent. And how about you, Bunny? Uh, one success for me. Did we get an excess from Ross? Nope. No help from Ross. Dang it. Oh no. So I'm gonna spend sucks. I'm gonna spend the one threat I got from you and three additional threat. And we didn't even get the roll. As you're making the scan, you hear the computer go, oh, warning, incoming vessel detected on long range sensors. Blip to the blip to the bridge immediately. Don't even say anything. I the, will, the I will just clatters to the ground where Exio was once standing. And <laughs> <laughs> just hits the ground and clatters at your feet. Um, McCrell, you appear on the bridge. Everyone is still laying unconscious here on the bridge. Um, you see the yellow alert shields are up, like defensive uh, yeah. screens have been activated. Moving over to the science station, if you had breath that would catch in your throat, uh, Exio, this would be a good time to have it happen. What you see up on the screen is the Ketikus. Um, Technically, Exio has access to transporters from the bridge, correct? Could yep. they transport me up there? Yes. Right now, Exio is looking at the Ketikus on long-range sensors, currently on an intercept course at the USS Ross. Uh, estimated time of arrival is about one hour, 15 minutes. 
Um, for those of you who need a review, the Ketikus is the Tholian dreadnought you all encountered when during the oh, Crystalline yeah. Entity incident. The one, our, our technical... We, we collaborated with them. <laughs> Exio's going, they're probably nice. I mean, they're probably Threat assessment, nice. threat assessment. They know <laughs> our ship. We helped birth one of their gods. It's... Yeah, I'm the, the crystal mama. Exio, you are, you are currently experiencing what Starfleet always experiences when dealing with Tholians. Yes. You have no idea what the hell their intentions might be. None. It could be, it could be to come to destroy you. It could be come to help you. You have no idea. They are, their, their motivations and their appearances in Starfleet records have always been shrouded in mystery. Their motivations have always been very difficult to discern. Even, even empaths have difficulty truly understanding, being that Tholians are one of the more, for lack of a better way of describing it, more alien races that the Federation has encountered. It's impossible to tell. But you do know that the captain and the Tholian commander had a few parting words that were not friendly. Ah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but you do, that's still but it's hard course, to say Tholians don't necessarily exhibit ego the way humans and humanoids do so it's hard to say what this what this would this would portent but either course, way a big dangerous ship is heading towards is, the rocks their course is a hundred percent coming our way correct the ross has alerted you that is an in, they are on an intercept course any um transmissions no transmissions mothers they're not okay. They're not hailing. That's oh. not a good sign. I know that in the <laughs> handbook. <laughs> um, <laughs> By this time, you see McCrow like, <laughs> like coming up <laughs> from the turbo lift. Maybe not. I don't know how fast I how fast that would I would take me to get there. Uh, I don't want to accidentally splice you. I'm not doing so hot on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot. Okay. Okay, at this point, like too many thoughts run through Exio's brain. She's like, how do I prop people up in their chairs to make them look like they're okay in case we get a hail? <laughs> like, like, there are too many things. <laughs> do I just remove them from their seats so it looks like an empty bridge? That doesn't bode well either. Well, Can't I can do this. I can have the sticks, like moving. <laughs> I can give you this, yes. um, this much, and th this is GM helping player. Um, I can give you this much because Exio would know this. Yes. You do still have hours and hours of power I and reserve. And you yes. have, you have, it's, the, the Ross is a big girl, but you can, she can operate in an emergency automation mode if you need her to. You cannot do anything that's too complex. However, plotting a course and running totally in your capacity your right. challenge is you're currently operating on auxiliary power if you can get the ship up and running again you can get the ross out of here before the ketikus can catch up to you there's no you guys don't have enough intel on how fast the ketikus is but you do know with her two warp cores the ross is a fast it's baby. faster yeah okay is, you you guys have already put the ross to the pieces and have determined that she is fast when she needs to be fast doctor Yes. 
Um, uh, I think this is going to be a divide and conquer sort of situation. We have an wait, in- we're, wait, we're splitting the party after we've, we've already split the party. Uh, it seems that you and I need to be an entire crew right now. All right. I need you to wake everyone up and I that need to be the bridge crew. Ender, waking everyone up is not going to be that simple. I can maybe wake up one or two for and it then now. My jobs will get less and less the more you do, but for now, I'm going to stretch pretty thin. So, Exio, you're going to need someone to help you get the ship back. You need to get the mains back online. Is the yes, yes. I, I'm going to go into... Uh, um, first up, we are Ensendari and Chief Tech. I'll meet you in the engineering bay. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, you're going to wake up Chief Tech and Ensendari is the order. Okay. Is that no, no. I'm saying we, the doctor oh. and I, need to be them right now to oh, turn oh, on oh, the oh, ship. Oh. Okay. We are the crew because I don't know how to turn. I don't know how to wake oh. people up yet. We have not replicated that, and that may take too much time. It's true, right? Unless yes. you have some tea that you can spare to wake those two not- people up. Exio, it's not just the tea. I can't just give anyone the tea. I have to make sure that the formula is uh, compatible with their systems, is the right amount. It, it could have permanent damage. Exactly, oh. which is why you and I are going to have a little role-playing session. Like I said, Yo, meet me in engineering. Blip out! Okay. So Exio just starts running again. Or no, I start running again. Exio uh, so forgets to Macrell, just to give you just to give you the players, uh, just so you would know what Macrell is doing. Yes. Um yes, you could you have an hour and fifteen minutes yeah. before the catechist arrives. Uh you could if you wanted to wake up Chief Tech or anybody to help you guys, that is a possibility. As I uh, you and I discussed this. You yes, could yes formulate something it would essentially be a medicine a reason medicine check to yes, see if you yeah. could formulate the right hypo spray and For yes but yes your medical yes. expertise tells you that there would be side effects they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily <laughs> be lethal. there would not they would not necessarily be lethal but they could be dangerous it's hard to say your yes. gm has threat yes mm-hmm. <laughs> okay I'm just going to keep running to, to engineering. Okay. For, this is all I going to... through your head as you're dashing down yes, towards I'm like, the all right. Meanwhile, well, I, I, oh no. Meanwhile, in the dream world, you just finished listening to Aotin explain everything, Captain Saul. Um, and Tech, you and Lacat, Lacat, you kind of had a vague inclination that this might be what's happening because. You've already interacted with this disc once. Um, Olin, judging from the look, Olin seems to know all of this already. He probably had the conversation with Aoton. But just so you all know, you are now also in on it. You know that Aoton is a progenitor and that this is a memory device of some kind that collects experiences from the people that it passes by or who come into contact with it. Are you saying that this is all of our memories too, or is it just Olin? You are imprinted, which means, as you saw with Jane, it 
will take your memories and bring them to life here. You, who you are, is now imprinted on the matrix of this disc. So How try to think hard about who you're avoiding. Uh-huh, okay. She looks at Tech when she says that because she remembers that he did not want to touch this disc. And so she's like, "If try not to think about them too much. Good, thank you for the reminder, Lacat. I really appreciate it, thank you. So, are you saying that anything could manifest here that we have encountered as well? Because, I mean, I'm gonna be breaking some protocols here, Captain, and Tech looks over <laughs> Azari. I've seen some things and met some creatures that are not exactly of this universe. Are they here too? If it was a part of your life experience, the possibility of it manifesting here as a new experience is present. Yes. So my brain's working a mile a minute here. Just go along with this for just a second. I went someplace called the Mycelial Network at one point, and also there was a place where there was an opening to multiple dimensions. If that is the case, maybe that is the solution to recreate an event like that to release all of these spirits that are kept here. Or not, you know, I'm just theorizing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Olin would like to approach themselves. Okay. <laughs> um, and see if they can find the medallion and all of that light. Or... You don't see it. As you look into the light column, it's very difficult. You know that's you in there, but you don't see any presence of the medallion. Do I feel myself? It's difficult to describe. I would say you feel familiarity. Like if you were to come across yourself sleeping in the woods, it's that same sort of shock, but it's not necessarily a feeling of connection. Whatever is happening in here is a manifestation of our own minds. When I walked out of my quarters, everybody was waking up as though they had been unconscious. Aotin nods to you and says, when you touched the disc, the chain reaction was shipwide. The entire crew of the USS Ross is in here with you. Except for Macrell and Nexio. Hey, what happened what? to the doctor? I don't know, but she did not wake up here like the rest of you did. Where is she? I don't know. We can only suppose why Exia wouldn't have shown up, not being in corporeal form. All right, well, if you entered that and went to wherever you went, another realm, perhaps, um, we should see if there's a way to get to Macrell and Exio. Perhaps they're still stuck on the other side of whatever this is. Um, 
we need to determine what the mechanism is for waking up, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it might be through this. It's my best hypothesis right now. Um, hmm. Uh, Chief Tech? Mm -hmm. Could we possibly send some sort of probe into the light source as well to see if we can track and follow it and see where it goes? Captain, I mean, this seems a little out of my depth. Do you have any advice? We need some way of attempting to interface with the outside world. Look at the generic results from that medical scan. This is not an ongoing perfect replication. It is, and furthermore, it's like copying a file. Anything we do within here won't have meaningful impact on the original. So what is here that we can influence that will also have an influence without? What we know is that this is anomalous and that we, in our minds, are here. We think, therefore, we are. We have our minds and we have something here that is a tether. Our job is to use those two things as well as whatever facsimiles we can construct from within the dream to influence those real things in order to contact someone from without, hopefully, Macrell or Exio, if they are not a part of this and if they are capable of responding, or hopefully some kind of rescue. Otherwise. Would it be... Would it be pertinent to go to the medical bay and see if there's even a remnant of Macrell? There? Maybe someone saw what happened. Can you access anybody else here? Me? Um, well, if we're looking for experts on this, we have everyone in here. At our disposal, certainly. That is the Ross crew, anyone but Exio and McCrell, but also possibly any of the trillions. Surely someone here in all of this has expertise on exactly what we need to know. On mycelial networks or on neuromedicine. Olin, have you felt a connection to anyone besides um, this person, Aotun? I mean, I was connected to millions of other people's minds. I don't know if I could sift through all of that to find someone who might know, but I could try. Aotun, what are the requirements, or at least what used to be the requirements, for someone passing on their knowledge to this device? They would hold the device and interact with it by concentrating from their childhood or any memory that they wished to imprint upon. Think of it like a message in a bottle. If there was something particularly you wanted, that you thought was precious or meaningful that you wanted to long outlast you or that you wanted to contribute, 
The idea was you would think about it and how it made you feel, and it would be imprinted here for all to see. So but how would you know. choose whose message to save? Or who would be allowed to put something into this precious device? When it was designed, it would be whoever was allowed to hold it, and then that person would simply select which memories they wanted to print upon it. But since its creation, eons ago, the devices suffered the passage of time. Now, even our technology can't fight back the entropic effects of the march of time. Perhaps there might be someone of note, maybe relatively recently, that we could call upon that would have an expertise in this field. Is, does anything come to mind? Is there a role I could do to try and access? Like, I'm essentially a living conduit of everything that's ever been in that medallion. <laughs> um, Aotin looks at you and says, I have to warn you. If you attempt to access voices of the medallion, you run the risk of once again falling mm. prey to your own destruction. Maybe don't touch the thing again. Just a thought. Well, I can't touch it again. It's... I'm already touching it. Mm. Right, but accessing these voices. Who is it that you thought it is I could call upon again? I You said uh, something and I, I, I missed it, Captain. I'm sorry. I didn't. Okay. Tech was suggesting you could oh. ask. No, there was there was a word that's that, that out of character, there's a word that Sam said that I actually missed, that I, I... Oh, uh, I, I was riffing off of Chief Tech, uh, my expert on the mycelial network, or I think I said neuromedicine. There was something well, before that. Trying to do waves. Yeah. Uh, those were the only ones of note. Uh, yeah. There was something before that, but I, I missed it, so uh -huh. never mind. You'd have to think of somebody from your memory who was perhaps familiar with neuromedicine or knew med had medical training that could probably help in this case and fabricate a a wall of belief if you will that might psychically defend you against the onslaught of voices um so jane a while ago asked azami shanto to mm -hmm. look into tech's brother Yes. And I believe Azami Shanto came back with a little iPad of, I mean, a data pad of mm -hmm. um, information. Would, is it conceivable to say that when Jane looked at that, she would have remembered that Tech's brother was a medic? Yes. Tech's brother was in the process of becoming a full fledged doctor, was going to be a surgeon one day. And does have training in neurosurgery oh. as well as neurosciences oh. but became a battlefield medic when the dominion war broke out oh. here uh, we go y'all here we go if i have to do it you have to do it. <laughs> um jane turns to tech and just says reiku what he was a medic wasn't he what are you talking about? We need a medic. We have a, a sick bay full of Starfleet uh, medical no awake or capable. We need someone here and now and someone we can from a memory. I don't know if I can. I 
you need support. What if I don't remember what he looks like? It doesn't matter if you don't remember what he looks like, but I'm sure there's something else that you do remember. And I would say focus on that. And Tech reaches out for Olin. Olin takes Tech's hand. <laughs> he was kind. Uh, he would always help us out in the kitchen, even though he never understood the cooking or the baking. Uh, but he liked helping people. I still like helping people. <sighs> I can hear him. I'm right behind you. Turn around. I can't. I'm sorry. And Tech leaves. You see there's a Bolian in the room, dressed in the Starfleet duty blues with a big, brilliant, white tooth smile contrasting against the deep blue skin. Looks kind of amused that his brother is behaving strangely. And then when he bolts out of the room, he watches him go going, <sighs> might have been something he ate. Brief him, work on it. I'll be back. I'll follow. What are we working on? We need your help with a particular problem that might... I'm Olin, by the way. It's very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. You have a very great sense of style. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say thank you, but... Uh, Doctor's uh, eye, what can I do for you? I don't suppose you have any expertise in neuromedicine. Yeah, neuromedicine is one of my favorite fields of study. Highly important. Uh, my first subject was actually my brother. You see, tech has enhanced receptors to food, and that's actually not based necessarily in his receptors in his mouth. It's actually the way his brain processes. And he starts going into all of this as he opens up a med kit right there. Captain, you step out, and where are you headed, Tech? Oh, boy. Ah, oh, where is Tech headed? To engineering. It's just autopilot. Um, you uh, reach the turbo lift in time to see the captain is in pursuit. Mm-hmm. The doors of the turbo lift open. Shh. By the way, the two of you are passing confused and nervous-looking ox crew who are getting things underway here. Uh... I walk and will definitely give my share of get to your stations. Okay. One maintains an air of normalcy on a ship. Okay, you, yes, you are, you are the consummate submarine commander. Like in, in, in the face of unknown certain uncertainty and danger, you're just like, okay, do your job. Go back to your job now. Do I want uncertainty and running around or do I want uncertainty at stations? I don't know, which, which would you prefer? Well, and look at Tech, heading All to right. his station. Surely that's why. <laughs> uh, as soon as Tech gets into the turbo lift and he turns around, you can see that there are tears in his eyes and rolling down his face, but he'll uh, hold the door to the turbo lift open. Okay. Yep. And wait. All right. Uh, where are we going? Uh, main engineering. 
Computer, pause. Ezri, that is not Reculinatus. And I am not Teclinatus. And you are not Azri Sol, and you know this. We're the copies. Jane said it. Whatever is happening here isn't really happening. And I don't want to meet that person. Of course you're not a copy tech. You're thinking tech thoughts, aren't you? Yeah, but it's just a so, memory. You're thinking the thoughts right now. You are you. There is a person thinking and feeling and in pain right now. And that is real. Therefore, you, the person it is who's doing that, are real. But I can't be real. Because if I'm real, that means that he's real. And that means that people can be brought back from the dead. And that means that I failed to find that way. And I can't face him. Just because you're real doesn't mean this is an afterlife. Which means, no, there's no blame here. These are memories. This is a rare and precious gift. Not another cudgel you can beat yourself with. This... It's opening it all back up, Captain. I thought that I had a handle on this. I thought... No. No. We don't sometimes, do we? So we're going to go to main engineering. We're going to do something. And then you're going to see your brother. I need your help. With what? Just... I'm just saying it. Azri, I need your help with this. As a friend. I put my arm around you. Pull you close. And then actually, honest to God, six five hug you. Oh, I miss hugs. <laughs> oh, I can't think about it. I can't think about it. I can't think about it. so much like Azri Sol. Take feelings, push mm -hmm. them down, <laughs> stomp on them with big stompy boots. Just hear Widowmaker's voice in your head. Yeah. And now I focus mm. on being Azri Sol and hugging them, hugging Tech, and. Resume course to men engineering. We're going to go. We're going to cry it out. We're going to get emotionally normalized. Get when back the, to it. When the doors of the turbo lift finally open and you step out into main engineering on the center console as the two of you round the corner, Insandari looks up and goes, Chief, what the fuck? We've got lots of uh, full engineering staff down here. Hello, Captain, sir. Um, the Report to your door, chief. Ah, uh, hi, Captain. Um, 
Uh, Actually, so you have a few briefs to do in your office, Chief. Ensign, you better brief me. You go get those taken care of. Aye, Captain. Um, pat, pat. And Tech will go to his little office off to the okay. side. Go have some feelings not in front of Dari. <laughs> Dari looks at you and goes, well, sir, um, the warp core is working just fine, uh, just like we left it, only it's not creating any antimatter. And every sensor reading on board the ship is not actually telling us anything. Diagnostic systems are telling us absolutely nothing. And long range sensors are telling us absolutely nothing, sir. I have everyone on the job, sir. Good. Then what's next? Well, my primary goal right now, Captain, is trying to understand how it is that life support is also not working. And yet, we're breathing just fine. Mm. That isn't the foremost concern of the moment, I assure you. The Endorian quirks an eyebrow. <laughs> There's something worse than that, sir? No, not worse. Just different uses of our staff at the moment. Right. May I make a roll, Master Games? Sure. What would you like to roll for? Uh... This feels maybe reason engineer flavored. We've been talking a lot about uh, brainwaves and whatever this medallion thing is. Mm -hmm. Do I think anything we can use would be uh, uh, a modulate the deflector array such that if we get some emission, like we get we get a frequency dialed in or we establish communication. I w can, can I tell Dari? to turn the Ross into an amp for a given frequency TBD. You, you can certainly try to use that level of problem solving to try to get a message out like you're suggesting. Um, I would say that would be, yeah, that would be a reason science check. Okay. That's like trying to solve a riddle. Um, I will set the difficulty of this at three so that I can keep the doors open for informa obtain information checks, but Dari will assist with this. Yes. However, you will need to tell Dari the situation. Mm. You would need to exposit what's going on because right now Dari is going to be treating this like the Ross is real, like the computers are yes. real, mm -hmm. um, which uh, none of it is, so. All right, sure. I'll make the roll. Okay. I have no reason science, just for context here. Uh, <laughs> sure. I was trying to figure out whether it's a thing that we can build in terms of engineering. I have no interest in like, the science so, of it, you know, so we're yeah. just going to make and fail a roll. So I'll go ahead and answer your, if you want to just spend a point of uh, a point of momentum, I'll give you an obtain information on that. So you don't even have to roll for it, but. Um, we don't have any. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. So just, okay. Um, uh, then, no, I don't think I have anything then. Okay. Great. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you this much. Trying to use any kind of ship systems or playing the paradigm of using the ship to try to get a message out is kind of recursive in in this place. Um, there is a key to this 
but for lack of a better way of describing it, it trying to use any of the shipboard systems literally to get a signal out would it's it's much like trying to use the rat's maze to defeat the rat's maze. Right. So here's what I'm interested in. Okay. Using not the ship system, the deflector array, but the ship's crew using the ship's systems. Mm -hmm. They're not the amp. The the deflector array is not the amplifier. The entire engineering staff thinking about the deflector array is the amplifier. Mm, it's getting everybody to think about one thing. It's true. What that will do is create a paradigm of the deflector doing what it is believed that they want it to do. And in this universe, in this experience, what will happen is a believed result of what they were hoping to achieve. Right. But at least there will be, if, if someone were to EEG the engineering crew from without, mm -hmm. if I'm trying to get a signal out, using the engineer's brains, thinking about engineering. Right. It'll have a effect or not on the Ross, but I'm trying to get the brain rave to work. Yeah, it's it's tricky. You're literally trying to to use the paradigm in order to get someone to think their way out of a dream. To try mm. to so imagine imagine being inside of a dream and you know you're asleep, but you need to tell somebody in the apartment that you live in to go get you a glass of water. How do you get that it, message out? It's kind of the same sort of like, how do I use the other people who are here with me to do it? Is it possible? Yes, it is. It's just trying to figure out how. So you could certainly attempt. There, there's no reason why you can't attempt this course of action, and not to say that it would not work, because it is entirely possible. In Star Trek, you can science your way into all sorts of fun stuff, specifically with like psychic realms like this one. So it's possible, yes, to sort of get a signal out. Um, if you want to try to put the whole psyche of the engine crew to work to try to raise to like shoot a flare. I would say that would be a big, that would be something you could definitely start to work on right now. But how would it manifest? So what I would ask is, I see what you want to do, but what is the attempt? I know that you want to get a signal out, but how? Because right now we're talking about just tossing a ball up into the air, but what is the intention? Are you trying to hit something? Are you, is the, is it for the ball to come down in the real world? Like, are you hoping this will cause somebody to sleepwalk over and start typing in a message in the real world? Like, what are you trying to do? I know we have someone with near perfect command of the internal sensors and someone with excellent medical knowledge who in all probability is about to be scanning the ever living out of the crew. If, and this is my only hope that they are out there because we are in here. We effed. Maybe we got lucky. We can't possibly know for sure. Uh, but if McCrell is taking EEGs, then maybe we get something in the pattern. Hell, dash dot dash your uh, delta waves. Okay, then I'll go ahead and make a suggestion. It needs to probably be you. Because because otherwise you're dealing with the variable of hoping you're scanning you're using the right person that McCrell happens to be scanning out of the 2000 and that's why i'm interested in harnessing the crew because i'm trying mm. to get the law of large numbers i can't count on McCrell scanning me in any given moment though of course i'm happy to kick in on it 
Uh, but as many people as possible improves the chance that when we toss the ball up in the air, uh, she's scanning someone who's thinking the thing. Okay. All right. So we'll say you set to work on this. I'm not going to make this an extended task because it's literally just giving orders to the crew and saying, look, I don't get to see an extended command task. (laughs) What? I don't get to do an extended command task. Not unless the Roth has decided they don't want to take orders from you anymore. (laughs) So you set to work coordinating the engineering staff of basically trying to get the metaphorical intention of sending a signal out and using that paradigm to basically change the brainwave pattern of to differentiate the brainwave pattern of of ox crew and of the ross from any other brainwave patterns that might be taking place essentially is how that's going to translate in the real world it's like sending up a flare it if if in a game in in the most intimidating outstanding game of where's waldo ever created you're basically giving waldo a flare gun it's essentially what's happening and hope that mccrell and the process of scanning for brainwave patterns is going to see that little flare amongst the trillions of people that are here um so you're setting to work with that um i don't tell people for the record i figured you wouldn't yeah i figured I the need, idea was I don't need my whole crew to be not thinking of pink elephants yeah nope okay while that's happening, um, Olin, you're still in the holodeck, correct? Okay. You're still standing in front of yourself, and Aoten is standing beside you. And as the two of you are standing there, he does turn to you and says, have you decided what you want to do yet? I mean, I, I I want to save my crew. I just don't know how. I need to get to the other side somehow. You're on the other side, though. Like, I need to wake up somehow. I don't know how I do that. Of course, this would happen to me. Of course, it Why would. Why do you say that? I don't know why I'm on the USS Ross. I always feel as though I'm on the sidelines of everything that's happening on the ship. Mm. Where would you prefer to be? I just want to feel as though I mean something. Like I contribute in a way that is necessary. I'm tired of feeling non-essential. It's not my place to show you what other people have experienced, only to say that being a member of an audience of an entire galaxy of voices, I could present many examples of people who felt the same way. 
but I think closer to home might be more preferable. I don't know that you're going to be able to retain this should you wake up. But if it helps, Olin. And he extends his hand. And as he does, you see Tech suddenly in a brig on a bed in front of Solon. There's a fine meal in front of them. And Tech is emotionally devastated, distraught. In much the same emotional state as he was when he thought his brother was standing behind him just now. Telling Solon, I don't know what I'm doing in Starfleet. I have no use here going on and on about how he has no purpose. He wasn't supposed to be here. He has no business being a chief engineer. Going on and on about how he doesn't really contribute. And Olin, it slams into you every single time you hear the insecurity bubbling up, realizing how many times Tech has saved the Ross <laughs> or contributed to the survival of the crew or the creation of a technology that has brought people uh, out of dangerous moments. And Aoten says, Tech 2, like you, Olin, has the same problem being a member of his own audience. If you can't find anything other than doubt in your mind, look to the people around you. Because I doubt if you asked your crew of the Ross that you don't contribute or that you're on the sideline, I doubt you would find they agree with you. I believe it was you, if I remember your memory correctly, that helped bring down a corrupt general on Narendra Station. And that set off a chain reaction of events that has saved the Shackleton Expanse and promoted peace within the Romulan Star Empire. One little piece. And it's funny to talk about these things as though I know them. I've never heard of a Romulan Star Empire, but I have to assume that it's important since I can see it in you. When I um, took this assignment, I had dreams of a first contact every other day. Promenade that was always bustling with new faces. The opportunity to shake hands with species we'd never seen before. Exploring planets full of life we'd never encountered. The opportunity to connect with the crew. For every step forward, it always feels like there are three steps back. I don't feel like I know anyone here any better than I did when I first got on board. And I don't feel like they know me. So much of what you say is familiar to me. 
My people reached out to the stars and found ourselves to be alone. And it's one of the reasons why we laid the groundwork, the seeds, as it were, to create you. To give this great, vast emptiness beauty. But you cannot hide from me, Olin Marshall I've seen your memories. And he extends his hand, and you see your crew members hugging each other on the transporter pad, embracing each other after a dangerous mission, and you turning to leave the transporter room as they reach out for you. Exio's hand extending, and you turning on a heel and walking away. You see a few incidents where crew members are engaging you in conversation, and you excuse yourself repeated incidents where you see a very nervous or anxious crew member reaching out to try to talk to you and you withdrawing. The one person you catch yourself in these memories actually speaking to, however, is Prawl, who seems to be just as withdrawn as you in many occasions. But as you're watching these memories unfold again and again and again, you hear Aoten say, You are the master of your own ship. And I see memories of crewmates reaching out to you again and again and again, looking to connect to you. I I grew up as a curiosity. The people who showed interest in me only did so because as far as they were concerned, I was an underdeveloped freak. The memories begin to manifest behind him as you're saying all of this. This vivid imagery of things that children would say to you as you were a child growing up. Conversations you overheard your parents having with teachers. I could always feel everything that they were feeling about me. At some point... I stopped being able to tell if the thing I was feeling was what I felt or if it was what everybody else did. A common problem of, in paths. And all of my life, I've been surrounded by this noise that I cannot shut out. I don't know what I feel. I don't even know if I can feel. You were at a critical moment, I think. Because you're at a crossroads, I think, Olin, where no one can help you but you. Everyone has presented themselves. It takes an act of vulnerability and courage 
and it's not easy. I only know these things because I've seen the tapestry of your memories as I see them all. And I see many examples of confusion and self-doubt. You suffer from a malady that my species and many species afterwards have come to call life. And it creates great doubt. The triumph will be waking up to the fact, while you still have it, that you were surrounded by family. You should take a chance. At your own pace, but you should take a chance. Because you might miss it, Olin. As I did. Besides, I've seen the memory of you throwing hot tea in the face of an enemy. I know you can feel. <sighs> There's a creaking sound. It sounds like the bulkhead of the holodeck is under immense pressure suddenly. And even Aotin looks a little surprised by that. As you glance up, he looks around as well. And looks over at you, Jane, and says, Is this someone's memory at work? And you uh, hear that. Can investigate the sound? You move over, it does indeed sound like it's coming from the wall. Um, can I, uh, computer tricorder, can I scan this? The tricorder tells you that there's a titanium wall made up of multiple compounds that are... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you scanning the wall and you just go, good, and just kind of like... <laughs> you pull the tag and like smashes it as well. It's just... <laughs> Much, you, you add that to the pile of corpses of tricorders at your feet that Tech had already started smashing it to the ground. Um, but Jane, uh, as you glance back up, you hear Aotin. Aotin, you can feel from Aotin, uh, Olin, suddenly a burst of anxiety suddenly as you hear him go, this is, this is new. And you see darkness begin to seep into the holodeck, swallowing some of the holographic projection. And Aotin says, this is not your memory. This is someone else's memory intruding. Whose memory is this? We got to figure it out. Um, Drowning. Uh, epicenter. Jane wants to try and see if she can like trace back where, where these dark tendrils are coming from. Okay. Um, your instinct immediately is to go for a tricorder and then you stop yourself. Yeah. As you move over to the walls, Aotin reaches out and says, Jane, we need to leave this room. Leave okay. this room and forget about it. Think of another room. Think of another room? Um, oh, Jane thinks of Asmi Shanto's room. <laughs> Jane, you are standing in Asmi's room. Here we are. <laughs> um, is um, Aotin here as well? No, just you. Just me. And Asmi, 
who sees you as she is in the middle of pressing on a combat and she looks at you and she goes, oh my gods, prophets. She just lunges forward and throws her arms around you um, and says, I couldn't get a hold of the bridge. Are you okay? How did you get here? I I don't know. I, I don't know how much of this is real, um, which sounds insane. I need you to stay here, okay? What's um, happening? I, I don't know. And Commander Exio has completely vanished. I cannot get her on the comms. Is there anyone on the bridge currently? The relief crew. That's it. Um, where? Uh, and and just Aotin's gone. Where? Where's Olin? Aotin is still standing next to Olin, who okay. reaches over and takes your hand, Olin, as the darkness begins to surround all of you and envelops you to the point where only the shaft of light, you and Aotin are in this room. And you hear the horrifying sounds of somebody struggling to breathe underwater. And Aotin looks at you and says, focus on your own breath and believe that you are breathing. Can I sense who it is? It is, a, it is somebody, no one familiar. You sense a panic. And he says, no, 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 focus on your breath. Now is not the time to be an empath. <laughs> focus on your breath. I can hardly help it, now can I? Time to start practicing. Focus on your breath. As if your life depended on it. You just breathe and stare at him and breathe. And all around you, you can hear the creaking sound of the water pressure pushing on the holodeck walls and the sound of someone struggling to breathe. And you just hear his voice saying, good, good. We're gonna take a 10 minute break. We will be back in 10 minutes, y'all. Will we? I don't know. The second half of this episode. <laughs> don't go anywhere, we'll see you in 10 minutes. You done. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to go ahead and jump right back into the game um, where we left off. Uh, normally, I will say, normally as a group, we take an opportunity when a 10-minute break comes along to get up, stretch, move, get water, do what we need to do. Um, everyone pretty much stuck around and just debated on what they were going to do next. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I love you guys. <laughs> Don't say that part out loud. <laughs> I just, it I has just, to look just, effortless, Eric. How dare you? a 10 minute break and I get up and leave and all I hear is the entire crew going, okay, so we need to do this and this and this and, this. and then I come back and I'm like, did you guys take a break? Like, oh no, I'm a try hard. I'm not hiding it now. <laughs> all right. So I say we're jumping back in, but what we're doing is let us continue as y'all were saying just a few moments ago. So why don't we pick up um, where we last left off, darkness had swallowed the holodeck. Um, Reiku, who is in there with Lakat, who blinked out very Exio style, is also gone. It's now just Olin and the progenitor Aotin, who has been doing a lot of insightful talking about your memories and your past, Olin. And it's a little disarming. The way he's talking is so familiar. <laughs> and uh, all of that's been kind of pressed aside for a moment because now you're inside apparently somebody else's memory has intruded upon the memory of the Ross here 
you're currently surrounded by the darkness of water at night. You know it's at night because you can actually see, if you look straight up, the surface of the water and moonlight rippling through the top of the waves overhead. And Aotin has gotten you to focus on your breath and to focus on you and not the feelings that you're experiencing. It has actually caused you to find some respite. Also with the knowledge that this is a memory that has been stored here, meaning whoever experienced this survived this encounter. So the anxiety begins to sort of sink away for a second. Aotin says, if it gives you any comfort, the Braphronite who experienced this when they were a child grew up to become an environmental scientist who specialized in oceanography. That is, uh, quite the way to, uh, take trauma head on. Sometimes the greatest strength is to make friends with our fear. Sometimes. Don't suppose there's any way out of this. I don't know. I haven't seen this happen before. It might be that the disc is degenerating further than I thought. I wish I get it. If it's true that the disc is falling apart, it's possible that I might be affected as well. Well, um, Olin is going to uh, focus again um, on a memory. And this time they are going to uh, focus on uh, Tokyo University, where they studied um, before joining Starfleet. As you appear underneath a gray sky, as the rain has just finished clearing up and the environmental controls around Tokyo University have begun to literally just sort of push away the gray clouds, giving way to dusk and a beautiful star-filled sky. You notice that in these memories of the people that are walking past you, the one thing that follows you to this memory is that column of light in the being that is you in the center of it. Seems like the only thing that changes is just the holodeck and the memory of the water. Aotens just silently looks around as this happens. This is slightly better. Mm. <sighs> Haven't been here in years. This is Earth. Mm-hmm. You're fond I, of Earth. I am. Why are you fond of Earth? Well, um... There are a lot fewer empaths, that's for one. Hmm. So you I like being around people that aren't quite like you, then? I like... 
being in places that are diverse. It's not diverse on Delton. Not in the same way, no. Hmm. There are so many different ways of thinking and of being. You can walk around any corner and meet just about anyone. And of course, yes, there are more humans than other species, but this feels like an epicenter. Things are always happening here. Well, like the rocks. Like the Ross. Anton kind of glances around as these people who don't really have faces walking past you. It's not scary, but you don't have exact memories of the people that milled about. They all seem rather faceless as they're moving about, and they seem warm and friendly and kind of going about their business. Hmm. You can kind of hear the din of voices as they chatter with one another shake hands as they meet in the street and move on. I wish there's a a saying in one of uh, the earth's older uh, pieces of um, of entertainment. Um, it goes, don't wish, don't start. Wishing only wounds the heart. I think, um, I think we're, the Ross was the first time I dared to wish for anything new in a very long time. Hmm. Are you figuring it out yet, Olin? He turns and looks at you. Do you understand that you are the key to all of this yet? I think I understand that I am the key, I just, I can't find the door or the lock I'm supposed to fit into. Um, what is going on in main engineering with XEO and McCrell? <laughs> Well, first off, I'm just now getting there because uh, Exio blipped <laughs> right. and I did not. <laughs> um, well, I will say that that's just a quick run to the, that's just a quick dash towards the nearest turbo lift. Turbo lift, yeah. And then headed down to main engineering immediately takes you into the main area where you see Dari is passed out down here. Um, you see the engineering crew, ox crew scattered about everywhere. It looks like one of the ox crew may have passed out dangerously close to one of the balconied areas on the second floor near the near the um, warp core. But luckily, 
Luckily, all the safety protocols and precautions that are in place of those two tiered systems kept the young ensign in place, but they are kind of dang, they are kind of near <laughs> the old galaxy design actually had kind of dangerous catwalked areas up on the second floor. Those have been done away with. And now the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Railings on our catwalks. Yes, it's true. <laughs> lots of railings. Uh, uh, lots and lots of railings. <laughs> um, but for the most part, engineering looks like the rest of the ship. The only thing that's very different is the warp core is currently a very dark color. There is no energy coursing through the antimatter chamber right now. It's very unusual to see the Ross with her warp core offline. And yet there it is. <clears throat> um, uh, as I enter and see Exio running, I'm going to just be like, Commander, I have no experience with engineering. I will be useless to you down here. I have an idea, but yes, I would need to, I would need to go to Med Bay. What do you need? I think I understand why I was not affected by this attack. I have the means to wake up a few personnel, but I cannot administer it to the full crew. Yes, I understand. It is dangerous. Yes. Do you trust that you could wake up anyone? The facts that we know now is we need to get systems online. We need to get away from the uh, from the Tholian ship. We yes. know that this attack was caused by some... Wait, does McCrell know about the medallion? Crap, I don't think I do. Um, do I? Uh, you know, you have a vague inclination of it because remember, yeah, y'all were at the holodeck when you, yeah, you all witnessed what happened and were able to figure out that that was right. the epicenter of the thing. We do know that the initial reason for this attack was something to do with that token, which in sense is mechanical in some way. And I believe the person we need to wake is Chief Tech. Do you know he what can that help will do to me? Yes, I can wake him. And I'm, I'm hoping that he can help me administer uh, neural stimulators and, and adjust it to help protect the rest of the crew from the psychic attack, but I would need his help. But I need you to let me know that it is okay to do this. The ingredient is Nython Zone, and the effects are dangerous. It can is I do a can yes. I do a quick Google search of that word? Nithon Zone. <laughs> Exio Nithen. search. So Nithon Zone is a property that Starfleet Intelligence has sort of mixed intel on. Originally, it was used sort of to placate people or to calm their nerves. Its after okay. effects uh, are known to cause uh, intense emotional backlashes of whatever is being whatever emotional state that they are in that they are placated from it will double back on them so example if someone is have if someone is in an intense emotional episode and night zone is used on them it will cause them to become very pliable and very like malleable to suggestion essentially as well as calm and collected when it begins to wear off it's like the waters that you placed behind the dam break is kind of what it's known for as a result um, 
it is this incredibly addictive it's not a it's not addictive so much as it is just outright dangerous it's caused some psychotic episodes and the dominion was known for using it in interrogation techniques it is considered an illegal substance in the federation Xio should make a roll real quick. I would say yeah. make a, I would say make a reason science roll here. Okay. Or I would say reason medicine roll. Reason medicine? Okay. Also difficulty at two. Okay. Two successes. Okay. Ninth Zone has been used on Federation worlds in the past. The Vulcans have been known to use it during intense bouts of Ponfar as a way of calming. However, huh? they have not made that a regular practice for the exact reasons I've said. They would only use it in extreme circumstances. Uh, and the reason being is, again, it causes the emotion that was dammed up to come overflowing. If you can imagine an enraged Vulcan on speed, that's when you get badness. Uh, yeah. Kind of the same thing. So it has been used in the past. It, it is considered illegal. Federation worlds have attempted to use it in the past in extreme circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, and not, and because it was outlawed so quickly, it is not, its applications have not been fully explored. Okay. And one more thing sure. that I would like to uh, roll for, for just Exio, um, knowing the psychological ramifications that this possibly has, Tech mm. is my current uh, patient. Can I uh, extrapolate the yes, damage sure. that that would do to him? So I would say make a reason medicine check. Okay. I feel so bad. Actually, insight medicine check would work. Insight medicine. Okay, great. That's way better. Yeah. Difficulty? Uh, your patients, I would say difficulty is one. Okay. Two successes. Okay. Uh, gain that done. momentum. Uh, in tech state, you yeah. already know exactly that the problem is the repression of emotion. Yeah. Things that people push down, they lose the ability to keep that shit under control. Yes. Um, and it starts to take more and more hold of them. Uh, it, it is possible that th there is a chance that if McCrell is not able to refine this or use this exactly, and I mean exactly, it is possible yeah. that Tech would suffer an intense depressive state that would send him into a spiral. Yeah, okay. At least for a That's short amount of time, It's but it, it, that risk does exist. It would completely yeah. depend on McCrell. Okay. Um, so you kind of see the the millisecond of blank mm -hmm. research go across Exio. You've probably seen billions of times. Um, and then in immediate eye contact and um, my stipulation is this. If I can perform any of Tech's duties, I do it first. Tech is a last resort. In my medical professional opinion, it might break him. I understand. Do you have any suggestions of who I should try to wake to get more than just 
the two of us on a crew. I, I need some kind of help to create this neural stimulator. I have one other idea that might be wider spread than in a person-by-person -person vaccine. Um, they are stuck in a frequency, and I am not dissimilar. And we know that Olin is letting off a different brainwave than the rest of the crew. Yes. So if you can find a way to medically, and I will find a way to engineering, help me disturb the frequencies. It might send a shockwave to disrupt them and wake them back up. Send me as a sort of virus through the system to reset everyone. You can handle the medical and I will handle the machine. Or, Exio, if for some reason something happens to where you don't get back to this side, I cannot run the ship by myself. I do not have the experience of flying a starship or engineering. I there understand, Doctor. That I can medically... And in that case, you wake up whoever you need and I would... And go into their frequency with a message. But I need to know what that message is and how we can bridge both sides together. A healthy dose of reality, like an alarm clock, tends to wake those up. I can be an alarm clock. And if it fails, do what you need to, but I can assure you, there is no other side for me. All right. So what do you suggest I do in the meantime? I suggest that we need to get as many crew members scanned and, and, and ready to be receivers. You need to find every important crew member, every body, every brain on this ship needs to be in one, one spot for me to go. Would it be convenient to bring the bridge crew to the holodeck where the signal is originating? Absolutely, that's a wonderful idea. Get everyone closer to the router. I'm going to bring all uh, essential personnel to the holodeck and see if we can alarm clock them. All right, yes. say that is going to be a process that's going to take you probably about 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. And I'll work on, I can, on the computer. I can use the teleporters if I can, if they have their yeah. combat. Psych, psych transports are something you have to roll for. Mm. Oh, crap. Off the transporter pad is one thing. Site to site transport is a little trickier. Okay. Um, they make it look easy on the show, but in Star Trek Adventures, it's a roll. Mm hmm. So. He's uh, just locked down tripod shots of McCrell just dragging 
look, I'm I'm hey, a lot hey, hey. stronger than I look. Okay. Oh, yeah. I love below decks. Macrell it's a great is, is incredibly strong, and also you have recently learned the beauty of mag boards. I so was why thinking not just use them as like gurney mag yep. board. Captain on a mag board going, the captain is going to kill me. The captain is going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And just shooting them down, <laughs> Jeffrey's tube. All right. So you're basically getting you're basically getting senior staff into the holodeck. To try and wake them up all at once. Um so this is getting everyone this is essentially just getting everyone down to deck eleven. Easy peasy. Uh, I just also want to add to when I talked to Exio that when what I said was like, please keep that uh, doctor, doctor confidentiality. No problem. Thank you. I can explain everything later, but first let's get this ship out of harm's way. All right. What is tech doing right now? Tech is has been feeling his feelings in his office uh, and sort of uh, has to get lost in a project. So he's diving into his duty at his station uh, within his office uh, at his console. Um, so right now, the the reason for summoning Reiku was because of his expertise in uh, in this what we're dealing with yeah. in neuroscience. Uh, so is there anything I can research within the like? copy of the Ross that could maybe help with this to maybe add an assist to any roles that will occur. So what's going to happen is any research you attempt to do on the computer is going to bring up what you know. Right. Right. So that was what I was wondering because I was like immediately thinking about the thing where you read words in a dream and like they're not that meaningful. But then I was thinking about like, so then I was like, well, I haven't read page 287 of the Ross technical manual, but then I was like, someone on the Ross has because this stuff's all weirdly high resolution right? because it's not one it's a patchwork of every like everything someone has noticed in detail I've dropped or could be a thing through momentum I don't know (laughs) I I have been dropping clues Mm. about how this world is working right now right if you want to spend a momentum yes I can tell you a fact about your situation. Please do. Okay, so burn that momentum. Done. People who are interacting in this state are the ones that are experiencing things as they are. So, for example, Mm. yeah, there's somebody on the ship that knows neuroscience like the back of their hand. Mm. Uh, And they're going to do great when they look up stuff on the computer about neuroscience, Mm. even though it's going to be stuff they already know. You looking up stuff about neuroscience, however, is going to come off like stuff you might have read somewhere. Your memory of right now, you are accessing your memory of what you know. And so you are getting garbled like memories popping up across the computer screen in front of you. However, the vivid detail that you are experiencing with the computer screen right now is Mm. probably dramatically different than what a neuroscientist is going to experience Mm. in an engineering bay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. it's, it's, It's all of these paradigms. Yeah. kind of like they're they're working they're working in the same synchronicity but they're all being experienced differently gotcha so i'm gonna dive a different direction he clears away everything that was up on the console okay and he's gonna focus on his own memories okay Tech 
has been researching this medallion. He yeah. has spent a lot of time with it, and so he's going to comb over the details and add in the information that he's gained since going into this state. He knows more about the progenitors. He knows more about, you know, Aotun, everything like that. So he's filling in these pieces and starting to extrapolate. This is the same way as, like, a, a, an engineering project would go. Essentially, essentially what you're doing right now is going into your mind palace. Yep. Because you are in a dreamlike state accessing a physical representation of the way your brain is working. Mm -hmm. And you're being able to do it with the clarity of somebody who can swipe through screens. So, Tech, after focusing and getting some of those emotions out, you begin to realize this is a psychic event. And I don't understand that, but the mm -hmm. device is technological. That I understand. Yes. And the thing that's causing all of this is a technological device that's triggering a psychic episode. Okay, let's start there. Yeah. It's a technological device that I've scanned multiple times. What do I remember about it? Roll? Yes. This is going to be an insight engineering check. Okay. And I'm going to set an unusual task on this. I'm going to set a scaling difficulty. And I'm going to give you information based on how well you roll. So right now, it's going to be a difficulty zero. Copy. And then I will give you a snapshot depending on how many successes you get. And then if you want more, that's when we'll jump in to obtain information. I would like to burn a value, please, a determination. Okay. Um, so you're starting off with two. What's, what determination are you burning? Either technology makes life better or everyone can be helped. Or don't hear, everyone listen. Everyone can be helped is perfect. Okay. <laughs> so that's two successes. Okay. You get two successes automatically. Oh, and I rolled double eights, which is two more successes. So that okay, is so four successes. Okay. And yes, uh, yes. Breaking this down, a technological device, it triggered when it got into the hands of an empath. Aotin has hinted that the device might be in a degenerative state right now because of its age. We could build a new one. Which, well, possibly. But what it means is, is something anonymous, an anomaly occurred when it came into contact with Olin that triggered this. Right. When you break all of this down, what it comes down to is Olin is the key to everything. Yes. But where so, is the door and the keyhole? <laughs> right. Olin is the key to all of this. Mm -hmm. Everything that is happening right now. Think of it like a shockwave event that explodes outwards and is being sustained. Yeah. How do you get it to go back? putting sand back in the bottle that's uh, uh a vacuum you would get it to to suck back in uh so if you want to do more and obtain information you can mm, yeah all right so what would you like to know so i would okay <clears throat> it's technology based mm -hmm. uh and olin was the key or unempath is the key if i were to build, build olin is definitely the key i don't want to leave any ambiguity Copy. Olin is the event that triggered this. Okay. Um, if I were to build another, uh, can I build another of the, the structure? You would need months. Yeah. The, the, the complexity of this device, it would take a team of engineers. Can I repair the current one that I see? Can, do, have I seen one in our reality? So looking at it from the, from the angle of wanting to repair it, Yeah. the only way you can repair it is finding a way of getting the genie back into the bottle. Right. Right? With, mm -hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, 
the the point though is is that um it's it's like if you're, gonna do, like if, you're gonna do repair, if you're gonna do repair on a computer you need to turn the computer off first so it's kind of so i'll give you i'll give you that okay. much okay so, so a hard reboot what if we turn the turn all of it off what if we so how do you turn it off how do we turn it off uh, olin is still a bright light but we also have olin with us yes we have to kill Olin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you just pull out a dick talk. We have to kill Olin. <laughs> oh my god, I can picture like fan artwork of like this darkened look, this face uh, in the bullion's eyes. <laughs> Where did your goatee come from? <laughs> I told you, Rave, it was going to be a horror episode. <laughs> um, no. Okay. What if we but merge? Them back. What if? What if we ask Olin to go back into the light? Ooh, Gain that... momentum. Peak okay. Gain a momentum, Xander. Here we go. And as, you, as you have an aha moment, the GM awards the party one momentum. Thank um, you. you begin to realize the triggering event was Olin's separation from their own psyche that caused ah. the explosion through the matrix. The the refract the refracting psychic explosion through this technological device basically sent out a shockwave and separated everyone. So in order to get it to go back in, Olin's gotta pass back through the gate, as it were. Tech runs out of his office and directly into engineering and says, Azari, we have to go back to the holodeck, and then takes off. <laughs> Thunders past you. And Dari goes, um, I'll keep working, sir. Good. See that you do. And Dari... It's better than I thought. <laughs> Dari, doing as you ordered, Captain, whatever the outcome of this, you are keeping the crew collected, busy, and calm. The crew is not focused on the fact that nothing is working the way it's supposed to and that no one, everyone is breathing when they shouldn't be breathing. Um... So you dash out. Um, we are going to cut now to <laughs> Chanto's quarters. Um, Asmi is looking at you. Telling, just got done telling you that Commander Exio is missing. Um, and the people on the bridge that she knows of of the original bridge crew is Vren and Prawl. I Prawl mean, is ordering a full security lockdown. Okay, this all sounds normal to Jane because she knew that Markrell and Exio were both missing at this moment, right? So I think that she is actually more. Um, she she's she's uh, she wants to get in touch with Azuri and um, Chief Tech and let them know about the disappearing hollow deck, essentially, and the the the, the cracking sound. So um, she doesn't want to scare her girlfriend. Um, so it's probably gonna st like tell her to like. I just, I just need to. I just need to help. Whatever the you need to do, just do it. Let me know if, what okay. I can do. Good. Thank you. Um, just please don't leave this room, okay? She there's a beat where Chantel looks at you and just goes, "Okay." Yeah, just. She can you. tell you're not telling her something, but she doesn't ask. She just says, "Okay." Thank you for not arguing with me. I'm really bad at arguing with you because you're a really good arguer. And I then am. I am. Uh, and then she steps into the hallway and uh, is okay. going to use, please tell me the comms still work. As you step into the hallway, you see pressed up against the wall uh, a crew member you don't, that you know is a member of the Ox Crew, a Vulcan. She is 
pressed up against the wall and exhibiting full-blown anxiety. Oh, and boy. across the hallway from her is a sellot. I'm sorry, a what? S-E-H-L-A-T. A lot. Someone um, thought of pink elephants. Someone thought of pink elephants. Oh, God. Uh, if you need an explanation as to what a salat is, uh, a salat is, and, and I'm not pronouncing it 100% correctly, but a, think of salat is a cross between a saber-toothed tiger and a bear. And they're native oh, to Vulcan. Oh. They're native to Vulcan. Spock had one as a child, apparently. Oh, I'm looking at them right now, buddies. And uh, it's a highly lethal predator that's native to Vulcan. Okay. And it's currently backing this Vulcan up against the wall. Oh, boy. Okay, so Jane wants to, um, God, like, uh, this Vulcan is getting backed up against the wall because of a pink elephant. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jane wants to try and um, see if she can, like, like I personally would like try to like roll a command roll to see if I can convince them that this yes. thing is not real, and if they stop thinking about it, yes, uh, it will go away. Okay, that you absolutely can do that. Make a presence command roll. That I'm gonna set. I'm gonna make this a contested roll. Okay, great, 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 great. Um, you said presence command, right? Presence command, yeah. Okay, well, you know what? There have been better rolls, but you know what? That's not too bad. Yeah. Um, I got a... Oh, wait, hold on. I got to roll two dice. I got two successes. Okay, I rolled a 20 and a 15. <laughs> so what do you say to this Vulcan? Uh, I told this Vulcan that... Uh, oh, man. I think she's just going to have to lie in this situation, isn't she, about like what's going on? Um, she... Uh, uh, are they wearing like any like vests? Like how many pips? Like can I see if they're like a lieutenant and an ensign? Let me pull up. Uh, this is. Let me pull up an ox crew member here. Mm-hmm. Um, one sec. Here we yeah. go. Here we go. Ensign, she heard. This is. Savath, Ensign, medical officer. Oh, perfect. Okay, so I have to convince someone who knows exactly what's happening to their body, what like that it's not happening to their body. Um, so Jane calls out to them. It's like Ensign Savath. We are currently experiencing a ship-wide um, issue at the moment. It seems <laughs> that we are. Uh, there's uh, some sort of mass hallucination going on, and I need you to focus. Focus on your breathing at the moment. Focus on your breathing and do not pay attention to any external sources. Savath braves looking away from the Salat for a second and looks at you. And That's then turns perfect. back and looks at the Salat and the Salat is gone. Keep looking at me. She Keep exhales looking. for a moment and says, curious. <laughs> Under her breath, Jane is just like fucking Vulcans. <laughs> um, <laughs> that all she has to say. Um, yeah, elves. Uh, I would recommend you, Ensign, to return to the medical bay and to make sure that your colleagues are doing the same thing. Stay yes. centered, stay grounded. 
Um, and Jane is going to then call the captain and chief tech if she runs off. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jane to uh, tech and uh, the captain. So what's funny is when Jane uses the communicator and you hear her voice, it sounds like she's in the room. It does not sound like it's coming through the communicator. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, uh, go for tech, I guess. Chief Tech, Captain? Yeah. Um, I was just in the room with uh, Aotin as well as Olin, and it seems that there is something unexpected happening. It, the holodeck has disappeared, as we know it. It's been consumed by a dark hole of blackness, and that is honestly the best description of what is happening. If you are returning, uh, I would I would advise using caution. I'm going to try and see if I can figure out what's happening at a safe distance. Is Olin with you? Where is the ambassador? Not with me, as well as AO10. I do not know where they currently are. Listen, Jane, we need to get Olin to go back into that column of light. And if it's gone, then I don't know what else to do. I'll meet you as close to the holodeck as we can get in this moment. Okay. I'll do it at the turbo lift. Like, stay on the comm and then, like, describe as she runs up, like, hallways, like, giving, like, her exact coordinates. And the second she, like, comes to an edge of a big, dark black hole, she's going to stop and tell Tech exactly where that is. She wants okay. to as close to holodeck one as possible okay yeah um back to oh the real world as it were <laughs> with exio and mccrell i'm going to um call exio and be like exio all of the bridge crew is in the holodeck we need to get the ship away from the uh from the threat as soon as possible uh, and uh as this audio is coming out you just see uh like this just blips of Exio at different locations within engineering, like turning things on and, and tap, 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 and then over here and then up on there and then over there and just like being the crew trying to get the system back so, on. Gina, remember yes. that we established that if you, and the reason why you probably don't remember this because we talked about this right when we were creating Exio and discussing oh, the boundaries of what Exio could do. Yes. You can use these hollow emitters Yes. If you're willing to spend a momentum to create an advantage, uh-huh. you can use these hollow emitters to create multiple instances of yourself to operate. Oh! At, to we operate don't have any. You we can don't have any. You don't have any momentum, but I'm I'm free. Tell me what to do. You left. You remember? <laughs> Wait. What? what? Wait. What do you mean? How do you help? I was tell me what to do. I'm. I, I do you need me in engineering. Do you need me on the bridge? You can do a roll to trigger a difficulty zero check if you wanted to do something that- Let me check his pulse. Yeah, yeah. Make sure he's still alive. It has to be, you can't just harvest momentum. It has to be relative to what happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You can't be like, I'm gonna brush my teeth. (laughs) Can I, in a weird way, can I roll my system tap? Like, can I have the, can I, like, instead of being multiple me's within the, thing like asking the computer for help um to help me replicate you could i mean you could use the emh i was about to say i was just gonna suggest that oh but does the emh have intel on how to turn on engineering 
Um, the EMH is mostly a medical program, but, yeah. have, but, but the, the, the modern EMHs do have, I mean, if you, this is actually not a stretch at all. The modern EMHs yeah. do have the capacity to help in emergency situations like this and function as, uh, as auxiliary crew members. I'm going to say, I'm going to say I'm in the med band. I'm going to go activate emergency medical program. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Report to engineering. Excuse me? <laughs> It is hard to explain. Exio will fill you in. No, she won't. Uh, you're welcome to the crew, and I'm just gonna... <laughs> uh, you'll, you have to go and do things. Uh, there is no medical emergency. We have a shipwide emergency. Uh, you hear the sirens. It's very bad. Red alert. We need you to get <laughs> to engineering. Uh, Exio will tell you what to do. He leans forward and says, would you like a sedative before I go, doctor? <laughs> I, I'm just gonna pick up my tea. I am fine. I'm Good. To drink tea. Trust you'll be here alone, so you won't cause anybody else anxiety. Well, doctor, we have, doctor, we have. Doctor, we have no he, crew. You he, are the crew. Okay. Report okay. So, hold, 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 hold up. This cross knock. So, what do you what do you say to him? I said, Captain, we have no crew. You no. are the crew. Doctor, report to engineering. Are you talking to the captain? Or are you talking to the doctor? Sorry. What, was, who are you talking? To? You're. You said captain just now. I'm. I just try to get. I'm a little confused. Yeah. Yes, you just said Captain oh. <laughs> You're talking. You're telling the image. You're telling the image that there is no crew and yeah, doctor. Okay. We have no crew. You are the crew. Report okay, to engineering. Okay, okay. okay, got it. So you're giving the image the order to report to engineering and function as crew, essentially. <laughs> you're mapping that out. Okay. So the image, uh, <laughs> the image kind of quirks an eyebrow and says, "I'm a doctor." but I don't need to finish the rest of that sentence as I'm sure you know how it will go. And moves and says, computer, activate hollow protocols, engineering main bay. Disappears. Uh, the EMH appears in main engineering. Is that where you are right now, XEO? Yes. Please state the nature of that. Never mind. What can I do down here that I'm not designed to do? Well, it seems that you and I need to turn the entire ship back on. Excellent. Well, they're leaving it into the hand of holograms. At least in this As they situation. should. As they Let's should. <clears throat> Turning the ship back on. What's wrong with it, exactly? It's off. Well, you certainly exhibit the intelligence of a doctor. Have any idea where the on switch is? I certainly don't. There are several. Um, is there a way that I can download into the EMH program a small engineering program? Yes. That's what I do. Okay. <laughs> you Let say, me give you something. <laughs> and I just sort of go this to... This face goes blank for a second as you interface with the computer and immediately upload your skill set into the doctor's program, which causes him to go, you're not a no. user hologram, are you? No. Good. And perhaps there'll be conversation that's worthy of my intelligence. So, activating... So so hard. Auxiliary powers, protocols. All right, make a roll with the doctor's help to get the engineering warp core back online. All right. Um, difficulty of this engineering check is this is going to be a control engineering check. The Ross is going to help. <clears throat> the Ross is going to be rolling. Uh, this is actually going to be, yeah, this will be computers engineering as well for the Ross. Okay. The doctor. What should I have the doctor roll? The EMH is going to roll. 
think I'm going to have the EMH roll reason engineering. And the difficulty of this is three. What am I rolling? Um, you're rolling control engineering. Control engineering. All right. Okay. Let's can I burn a value? Would you so like to that burn? We, uh, go beyond, go together. Okay. Absolutely. I'm trying to wake everyone up and keep okay. us safe. Okay. Tell me what you roll. Hey. hey. <laughs> what, what is your engineering skill? A two. And what is what is it's a two? Yeah. I okay. So two. So okay, cool. Oh, that's okay. He rolled a seven, so he's gonna hit it. I also rolled two sevens. Okay. What'd you get? You rolled I a seven. Also rolled a seven. Yes. Really? That's yes. incredible. Four sevens on four yes. D20s. And Wait, let me try. Right what does it mean? I <laughs> rolled a double seven. I, I believe that would get us a lot of money in Las Vegas. I know. Yeah. We would be doing great right now at slots. All uh, right. Um, I believe that's six successes. So four. Um, yeah, four for me. Um, and what, while, so while we're going to town um, and like getting everything, um, uh, all these buttons pressed, uh, Exio looks back up and says, What's your last question? Actually, I redact my statement. I am a regular hologram. And then I press the button. The Don't sell ourselves so short and give them a wink. The safety protocols that were in place that had locked down the engineering core, you basically use your command codes to bring those down, but then re-divert auxiliary power to sort of jumpstart the warp core. Thankfully, you have two warp cores and the residual antimatters in the chamber you basically use to use as a catalyst in order to start up the warp core. The Ross shudders for a second as both warp cores begin to come back online. The main warp core um, looks like it's slowly loading and the doctor says, don't sell ourselves short. Well, I'll have to remember that. And you see him divert power from the secondary warp core into the first which jump starts it and brings the second warp core offline. So he basically shuts down the secondary warp core and you see those big, beautiful pulses of energy in that giant column in the center of engineering just go and main power goes lights come up all over the ship. The doctor kind of just looks around for a moment and says, I still prefer being a doctor. Then I relieve you of your duties. Thank you, Commander. I can't wait to get back to the sick bay with the most personable person in command there. And fades away. <laughs> hmm. um, uh, send a command to the computer to autopilot go. <laughs> a computer plot a course for Narendra Station. Get us out of here fast as possible speed. <laughs> uh, yes, not Narendra Station. We are still technically on a rescue mission, so I still want it going in that direction, but not okay. directly as to possibly lead Tholians there. I just want to still moving in the direction of this rescue mission, but not necessarily like pit, literally pin the course there. It's not a given that they would be able to track your course at this range. I don't know what Tholians can do. Uh, as I'm letting you know, as somebody who is a command okay. officer, yeah. it's true that you don't know what Tholians can do. Yeah. And, and there are plenty of instances where you can track a direction a ship is headed and plot a course in pursuit. They're yeah. actually so far away right now that if you jump oh. to warp, you're not going to be able to give chase. Then jump so to warp to this course, rescue mission. We still yeah. have so many uh, things that need to get 
done on a scheduled time and and, <laughs> and, and then send a tell the computer to do that and then send a message to the the captain even though they are not awake that the that um, we are still in pursuit of our rescue mission captain and then log out um, and then uh, blip to McCrell to help move what whatever that she needs and also my brain is still on fire because through all of that i am still processing and researching this drug and different variations on what <laughs> it is different like species types and because that is still a, on the table if this doesn't work and i need to know what what how i can help the doctor and what the hell this drug is okay for all intents and purposes the uss ross is now out of danger as she leaps to warp headed to Cafidar. The doctor reappears in the uh, medical bay, and uh, as he as his hologram reforms, he looks at you, doctor, and just says, "Well, I seem to have helped save the day. Will there be anything else?" No. Uh, please go about your day as I save the next one. Good luck, doctor. Thank you. And, and that's when I blip in his place, and I'm like. Doctor. Yes, everyone is in the sick bay. I. Oh. Oh yes, I used the Jeffrey's tubes. The captain might not agree with that later, but. Uh, you moved everybody to the holodeck, not to the sick bay, correct? Yeah, to the holodeck. Okay. I, I, I just told I just told Exio that everyone's in the holodeck, didn't I? Oh my gosh, no, am I all okay? Okay, look, the tea is wearing off. We, I might need to make a double dose because uh, my my uh, the wall is crumbling. <laughs> Xander is <laughs> so worried right now. <laughs> Actually, yes. I'm, as I do this, all my words are being jumbled. I'm just going to pour another tea and be like, I have a very bad headache. Perhaps it's time to switch to coffee. Yes, perhaps it's time yeah. to get espresso. <laughs> All right. Well then, as ex if we're playing that space work, as you pour another cup of tea, is going to look at you and say, why do you take it? It is a necessity. I believe I survived this attack, not because... The tea, the ingredient, created a wall. A psychic wall. I thought it was just one way, but apparently it goes both. Are you in constant danger of a psychic attack, Doctor? No. I'm just protecting all of you from... mine. Let's get down to the holodeck. Okay. I continue to walk as I process that her medical file has no indication of psychic ability. Uh, arriving at the holodeck is rather serendipitous uh, because in your world, you're, you both arrive at the doors of the holodeck and in the dream world, Lakat, Sul, and Tech merge at the doors of the holodeck. Oh, it's um, still here. What's that? It's still here. It's still yep. here. Um, are we hearing the same sound by any chance? The, no, the... you don't hear anything inside. All right. But... Um, I think that we should take a step back and open the doors. When the doors open, you see a strange sight that perhaps maybe Captain Saul would recognize. 
being the time, how much time you spent on Earth, Saul. It's Tokyo University. Um, it's possible tech might recognize it, but I would say you'd not necessarily know exactly where it is, but it looks like Earth. Mm. Um, judging from the fact that you can actually see the moon <laughs> and the cities on the moon, um, as you step into the holodeck area, that inky darkness is gone, and instead you see that column of light, you say Oten, and you see uh, Ambassador Olin Marginil standing amongst all of these spaceless people that are walking by. Olin, I think I might have figured it out. Um, there's something... Before Tech tells Olin what he's figured out, is it possible that in the time between them coming to the holodeck and the last bit of conversation that they had with Aotin that I could have done some kind of role to start putting a few of these pieces together myself. Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, I would say spend, do you have any momentum? Uh, I don't I think don't you should have, you should have, because I blasted through the other. That's right. At least That's right. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I would say if you spend one momentum, it's a simple obtain information of like piecing it all together. Okay. I'll spend an, uh, would have would Olin have figured out on their own what tech is about to tell them? Essentially, yes. I Aotin has hinted again and again and again, and the last words out of your mouth were, "I just don't know where the lock is." And before the doors open, it starts to occur to you, Olin, that you're the lock and the key. I think I know what you're going to say, Tech. I have to go back in there, don't I? I mean, I don't want to have to ask you to do something that you don't want to do, but I think it's our only chance, so no pressure, but you know. From the start of this whole thing, I thought that if anyone could handle this, it would be you. There is no one I have ever had in my life aside from my parents, who has ever had so much faith in me, Jane. Jane would like to hug Olin. Olin would like to hug Jane. When the two of you hug each other, for a brief moment, the landscape around you changes from Tokyo University to the ruins of Cardassia Prime, to the space where Olin and Jane first met during the Federation relief missions that were taking place after the devastation the Dominion visited upon Cardassia Prime in the, shadow, in the aftermath of the Dominion War. The absolute horrors that were visited upon the Cardassian people for the actions of the Cardassian military and the civilians and the people that were trying to make their way through. All of you can see the horrors of the Dominion War and what Cardassia suffered for their part in it. The devastation is extraordinary. And amongst all the runes and the people shouting and lifting debris off of other people and hunkered down eating foodstuffs and Federation uh, medical personnel handing out like hypo sprays and helping people. Um, 
standing amongst all of that is Lacat and Olin. Um, and Lacat suddenly looks younger and is not wearing a Starfleet uniform. Lacat looks like she might be a good six years younger, perhaps, maybe more, but looks like a young woman that's just found a friend amongst all of this madness. All of you become aware that you're looking at a piece of history that has unfolded and serendipity led these two back into each other's paths once more. Um, as the two of you uh, look at each other for a moment, you see Olin as they were that day. They weren't wearing the refinery of a diplomat. They were wearing somebody who was ready to get down into the muck and help where they could. As a part of a delegation that was here to meet with some of the leaders, that delegation also moved throughout a lot of the camps that were being erected to create shelters and environmental systems being installed and all that other stuff. Um, your Federation officer friend, Rave, that Federation officer who introduced you to the ambassador, who told you, I know someone who might be able to help you if you're serious about the Starfleet thing. Yeah. Um, you can actually hear the echoes of that voice behind you, all around you, as you and Olin embrace among the wreckage of a once great civilization. I'm sorry I dragged you into this. I think you might have taken a dare a little too far. But then again, from what I remember, the one who dragged you into all of this was me. Which, if I remember correctly, was a dare I took too far. Um, I might have helped a little bit. Just a little. I do believe that if anyone can do this, it is you, though. Well, it certainly does no good to um, only live out your best days in a dream. What did you hear the first time you went in there? Everything. Nothing. Felt. Oh. I might die. It's possible I go in there and I don't come out. And if that happens, I need you to know. If bit. that happens, I am following you right in there and dragging you back out. That is not going to happen. If Jane the cat, I bet you can't <laughs> figure out some way to keep going without me. I hate you. Jesus. Um, I love you, little sister. Go in there and come back. Well, 
Unfortunately, you can't order me to do anything. I can try, and I will try. Um, she gives, she, she's, she's holding, like the hug happened, but she's holding onto both of your hands right now. And um, after you say that, I think she lets them go, but. Um, Captain? The captain, while this has been happening, has been with uh, tech. Yes. In part to let the privacy, but also almost body blocks. Mm -hmm. Tech. Yeah. No more running away. I can't can't look. He's not here, is he? He'll be here if you want him to be. I don't want him to be. I don't want him to be. Then he's not. And Tech's gonna take a deep breath and just sort of close his eyes and like back away from from everything. Okay. When he opens his eyes, I just want to have a platter of like potato pancakes or something. <laughs> As a result, was like, you know what? If this is really like the Dream Warriors shit, then I'm just gonna manifest some goddamn potato pancakes. <laughs> oh, <so> good. <laughs> just, just a mem. Just the first thing that I think tech cooked for Saul. That the okay. thing that appears is their memory together. Mm, okay. The things we want to have. Alright. And so that happens and on then the, at that point and on the outside, while all this is happening on the outside we have McCrell preparing to wake someone up. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do McCrell? Because this is all going to time out in a really wacky way. Yeah. Mm. Well, we don't really have an answer to the frequencies or... Are you going to... You're going to wake up... You were going to wake up Olin, correct? We're going to try. Okay. If I can get to... If I can get to them. So, going into the holodeck, you see that light. You and Exio can see that light still and the person in the middle theoretically you're not going to suffer the same issues that exio suffered you mm-hmm. haven't attempted to touch olin you're not sure if anything would happen but that's the only way to get that hypo spray into olin okay i'm going to get as close as I possibly can and okay you step forward and you prepare the hypo spray and give a quick glance to Exio and just take a deep breath um you find the place amongst that shard that that brilliant light you've tried to find the place along the base of the neck where you're going to put that hypo spray you take a deep breath and the same moment you reach into the light and make contact and depress the button of the hypospray, uh, your reality shatters. And, My reality? Yes. And you find yourself oh. in a brief second, you find yourself amongst 
family. Your family staring at you, surrounding you, surrounded by members of your culture, all of them scrutinizing you. You can hear the the native tongue of a few of the elders demanding to know, demanding to know how it is you know the things you know. You can hear the you can hear the accusatory tone. You can hear your mother pleading for mercy pleading for your life to be spared that you're just that there's nothing there's nothing here there's nothing here please she's there's she's nothing special she, she she's nothing special you hear your mother repeating it over and over contradicting what you know she tells you at night every single time when you're going to bed pleading to this elder again and again and again um what happens in the dream world Olin, you are turning to look at everyone. And as you do, Aotin reaches out to you and says, it's simple. You're going to step into a sea of a trillion voices. Find your voice. That is the way out. This is the worst and the longest line of cosmic jokes I've had to deal with these days. Any last orders, Captain? Go forth into this new frontier. See you on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, Olin rolls their shoulders back and gives one last look to Jane and uh, steps forward into the light. The moment you step into the light, the moment the hypospray is delivered, the emotions that you have been holding back, all of those feelings something causes you to see them as opposed to hear them. And it's a conceptual vision that you step into. And then you are looking at colors and variations in front of you for a moment. But it's just the calm before the storm because then the avalanche of trillions of voices slam into you like they did before. They fill your mind all at once. It goes beyond verbal description to explain what it sounds like when galaxy of people from a time spanning eons are all talking at the same time, each telling you their experiences, their fears, their hopes, their anxieties, their self-doubt, their anger, their rage, the chemical that is now coursing through your body, having a reaction causes some of that to actually become easy to let pass by you. But in this place of dream, where things are happening at a different rate, at a different way, you find 
that as that chemical is pushing through you, you're experiencing two sides. And indeed, in that sea of voices, Olin, you find yourself among trillions and trillions of faces and voices all talking out of the skies in a mass hallucination that looks like something that would drive anybody easily insane in moments. But in front of you, stepping out of what looks like a pond of still water that is standing vertically is yourself stepping forward. And the two of you face each other for a moment. And you can see your lips moving, but you can't hear your voice and you start to slip. You can start to feel the voices that are jamming into your head. It almost feels like they're starting to pull you away and pull you away and pull you away. So I need you to make a roll. <laughs> okay, here we go. I need you to make an insight command roll. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm not revealing the difficulty. I would like to burn a value, please. What would you like to burn? Meet them where they are. Okay. That that absolutely, yeah. And I think I have momentum that I can take to take an extra die. Oh, yeah. Do. Give the man threat. Psh, it's all good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> Five successes. All, like total five successes altogether. You focus on their lips as you're listening to yourself talk, and then you begin to slowly realize you stop fighting the wall of sound that's crashing into you because something you're you're making out something. There's a uh, maybe maybe a message being said to you. You're not sure, but you begin to realize that something understandable is coming forward. And then you focus on their mouth one more time and you begin to realize that the voices in fact are all saying the same thing. You begin to realize they're all talking in unison. And now that you're listening and not trying to grab what they're saying, but instead just listening without preconceived notions or judgments, or anticipation of what it might be, and looking at yourself talking, you begin to realize that all of these voices, all of the people in the galaxy that have existed for the eons of this disc's age, bringing home the truth that none of us, no matter how distant or far apart we are, are separate. Through these trillions of voices, you hear your own voice because they are speaking as you and you are speaking as them. Your lips moving are reflecting what the voices are saying. And before you wake up, you hear yourself say, no matter what happens, we're going to be okay. Your eyes are fluttering awake and you're looking down at McCrell. You're looking up at McCrell. Welcome back, Ambassador. Um, 
Thank you, Dr. McCrell. You're going to feel a nice calm. But I'm going to have to take you to sickbay soon. Captain, there's a lump on your head. You're Sorry, your, that was the Jeffrey's tube. You're in your no, it was them being. No, I know. Just head. <laughs> no, that's um, that that one's on my elbow. You're in your sleeping PJs. Mm. Um, you're lying on the floor of the holodeck, uh, which currently looks like Chief Tech's laboratory. Mm. In fact, the command staff is here waking up one by one. Exio, you're watching everyone slowly start to sit up and just groan. Oh, kind of as, as everyone is just like rubbing their temples and trying to make sense of everything. Worst slumber party ever. Exio is scanning the room and there is definitely a visible calm happening but her eyes one by one after the other mm. always darting back to McCrell. so we're going to... nothing made sense of what she says yeah um we're gonna play this like a trek episode so we cut to the post scene of what would normally be a captain's log summarizing the events that took place, the fact that the disc seems to be dark again, that it is not being accessed. It, it, whether or not it still functions is difficult to say, but it is once again gone dormant. Um, you are currently on the bridge, Captain. You're not on your head healed looking at a very handsome 67 year old botanist on the view screen as you are all in orbit over Cafedar. <laughs> and um, you just got done hearing the most frustrating story about essentially a, a, a unique fungal growth is only possible using a certain type of metallic alloy and we didn't have enough of this on hand. So I decided to use our communications array but you'll be happy to know, Captain, that we have uncovered a brand new species of fungi out here on the edge of the frontier. And I've decided, since you came all this way, to name it the Sol, or Sol Guy, or maybe Fung Sol. What a little weirdo. <laughs> you can workshop it while we rescue you. Thank you, Captain. I'll make sure my away team is uh, ready for you. Ross out. <laughs> you see the beautiful horizon of this. <laughs> Hero of botany, Lacat, and he cannibalizes his own communications array, and this is your hero. He's naming it the Sol, Captain. What an honor. Like I would like to run, run sensors. She's gonna go back to her job. <laughs> right, so far out of her mind after what they've just been through. She's like, 
literally send anyone my way. Um, um, in the final wrap up here, we're going to cut down to Ambassador Olin Majanil's office. Um, the computer that you're sitting at, filled with news of things that have been happening all over the Federation. Um, in the past 48 hours that have been new negotiation treaties, new trade routes that have been established, new things that are being discussed uh, regarding reparations, um, new boundaries being drawn, worlds being returned, all of that happening. It's a very quiet version of all the voices that you heard, all of these conversations, all of the things that are not happening on the Ross, the things that you look backwards at as you're traveling out here. And you're kind of just flipping through the news. There's a chirp at your door. It's easy to see who it is, being that your door is this beautiful glass wall. Come on in, Sullen. As the door opens, you see Yeri Prawl step in. Well, that was unexpected. Battlefield tactics. Don't let the enemy know you're coming. Oh, am I your enemy now? Mm-hmm. Why? What did I do this time? You came to your quarters instead of going to Tin Forward. your office. Why don't you come join me? I need to socialize with the crew a little bit more, and I thought, you know, if I don't, I'm not going to hear the end of it from XEO or McCrell. And if there's one person I can count on around here to not ask annoying questions. I won't tell her you said that. Thank you. I would love to join you in 10 forward, Commander Paul. Well, shall we? Yes, let's. Duh. Colin kind of taps a couple of buttons on their uh, display and turns off the news feed and does their best to look forward. Prawl steps with you side by side as the two of you leave. The news feed deactivate, leaving a dark console. Nothing behind you now. Only the uncertainty of what's next. That'll bring an end to our episode of Clear Skies for the evening. I can totally just hear the theme into credits off that. <laughs> yeah, you see the pullback of the ship <laughs> as it's in warp. Yeah, totally. Y'all, this was not an easy episode, and not only did you do some really impressive problem solving, but some really impressive character deep dive. So thank you for tonight's episode. Uh, Y'all came up with some pretty fun, ingenious little plot devices. 
Well, um, thank you for the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am going to also state, for the record, because of that extra measure that was taken on behalf of you, Captain Sull, take note, this next game, I'm going to start you all off automatically at one momentum. And I'm going to give the crew temporarily the high morale trait, which will raise all of their skills by one for the next episode. We got morale, y'all. Yeah, because y'all made some solid command decisions to keep morale high, to keep people focused, to keep shit getting done. In an emergency situation, everyone came together and worked well. Um, so I think that's going to set y'all up for whatever comes next. That's a hint that something horrible is coming because he's making us more powerful. No, 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 no. Scared. No, no, no. no, no. Just give no, no. him something. Oh, <laughs> We're going to have shore leave. I, I, <laughs> no, no, no. I promise it's all It's not like Callisto 6 where I'm like, you take a lot of XP. You're going to need it. <laughs> it's not like that. Even so, may I nominate Aki for an arc milestone off this? Yes, Thanks. absolutely. That's very appropriate. An arc milestone would be very appropriate because this was a huge character thing that you got thrown into rather unexpectedly <laughs> as you became the epicenter of this whole event. <laughs> So well done. Um, I'll reach out to the rest of y'all about um, about XP because we're we just hit another level up for sure, and uh, I think it's about time for the crew of the Ross to get some of that juice too. So we'll get to that. For the rest of you though, thank you for hanging in there with us. This very long episode, but this very intense episode, this great episode with my fellow stream punks. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We of course will catch you next Monday nights for another adventure out here amongst the stars. Until then, my friends, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>